Pre-pilot to It's Not Like You. It's Not Like You. Featuring Brian Jordan and Wally Johnson. Hey! Hello, hello. So, like you said, this is the pre-pilot. The pre-pilot. The pre-pilot. The test run. The test run. Yeah. Of a podcast. Tell me, how come you wanted to open up? Open up. Like it's a shop. (laughs) How come come you want to start a podcast? Don't know, man. I I love podcasts. I think I'm like you. you. You listen to a lot as well. So, I think that's just... What I do, I don't like, this is going to sound super weird, because as you know, ladies and gentlemen, or you'll find out later, Wally and I are both comedians. We're both uh, a lot in the social sort of spotlight as far as comedy or photography or whether we do our race We're toughest. super famous, that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> Not even close. We, but, get, yeah. we get pussy up to our throats, <laughs> up to our necks, man. Yes, I'm says you. <laughs> So we, we were out and meeting a lot of people all the time, especially at like our toughest races. But what is strange, I think I, a lot of comedians I've noticed do this. They don't like, like I don't like, I don't like to be in the spotlight. I really don't like to interact a lot all the time. So I tend to have my headphones in literally 24 seven. And a lot of times I would always listen to music, but then I got into audiobooks. And now, for like the past couple of years, I am just strictly podcasts, you know, listen to a lot of ESPN podcasts, a lot of Joe Rogan experience, things like that. And I think it's Joe Rogan experience, Burt Kreischer's podcast, things like that. That sort of got me thinking, like, I like to talk. I like to meet interesting people. I like to talk shit. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. And the technology is available. I got my boy here. You've started a podcast. You've already tread in this water a little bit. So I'm like, hey, man. It's uh, it's the right time and it's the right area because there's not a lot of English-speaking podcasts where we live in uh, southern Sweden. And regarding the name, <clears throat> tell, tell yeah. us about the name. I, I know the background, but I know the listeners want to know. <laughs> it's not like you. It's not like you. Where does that come from? Well, that's the funny thing. So back in the day, you know, actually we were both, um, I don't want to use the word discovered. I think that's a bit, <laughs> maybe it's a bit over the top. Discovered. <laughs> we were noticed. Yes, both <laughs> by the same guy that sort of urged us into comedy, this uh, yeah. comedian friend of mine, ours named Joe. And I've been doing comedy now for like seven years. And for some reason, people get an idea of what they think you are via the jokes you tell. And a lot of my jokes are very tame. Although I do have racy jokes, I kind of slow it down because not because of who I am it's because of where I do comedy because here in Sweden you know (laughs) they're not big on edgy racy anything like that they don't they don't really dig it they are really they don't want to display it but see, that's the whole I thing. Know. You can't fucking come to a comedy club I know. and not want to display. I know. Because, you know, because this is, uh, you might want to tell the people that uh, don't know about your geographical history. Where, right. where are you from and where are we now? And yeah. So, you might want to know that. Yeah, I was born in Virginia, but I never really grew up there. I grew up in South Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, and Sarasota, which is in Central Florida. And then I also finished in college in Georgia. 
I went to college there before I moved to southern Sweden, which is just beside Copenhagen in, uh, in Europe. So I never did comedy there, although I did watch a lot of comedy there. But I never did comedy until I came here. And so like that first year I was doing comedy, I would tell those edgy, racy jokes and just get death stares. You know, I had a joke about McDonald's where it's like you can't make fun of the people there because they're a little bit slow and things like that. And people just, they were just not loving that. <laughs> so I kind of put that stuff on the back burner and went with more vanilla stuff, although I slide in some edgy stuff here or there. Yeah. So I have this joke in my act where I'm talking about aggressive beggars in Paris. And it's a true story. You're going to see that in the, in the, yeah, it's, in the yeah, set. Yeah, it's part of the set. <laughs> and at the end of the joke, it's about, you know... Uh, a person that was deaf that's that plays into the joke and so joe while i was on this last tour went through a tour through holland and germany and luxembourg he halfway through the tour he tells me to take the joke out of my act and i said why and he goes because it's not like you man <laughs> he's like you're really really nice and that's a really mean joke it's just it's not like you so take it out and he's like also it doesn't get a lot of laughs and i'm like no it gets the reaction i want yeah and I'm cool with that, and I'm not taking it out of my act because it is like me because I wrote the damn joke, man. <laughs> and the reaction is awkwardness, right? Yeah, the you want people to get a little bit uncomfortable. Right, because I paint the whole story one way, Yeah. take a quick turn, then take another quick turn, and then, the, and then I take this last stab at it, and the crowd, I have them on my side, then against me, then on my side, then against me again, and it usually ends in a groan, which I love. That's the best part, you know? Which is ironic, though, because in different cities, it gets different responses. So, like, I told that joke in Germany. I think it was in Cologne. It almost got, like, a standing ovation. <laughs> they, they were dying laughing at this joke. Where I told it in Luxembourg, and they, they kind of were almost against me. Oh, I word. actually had to earn them back over the next two or three jokes. Oh, wait. So it gets a very, very polarizing response from time to time, but most of the time it gets this weird groan, which I like because they're smiling as they groan, which is what Joe can't see because yeah. he's in the back of the room. So that's where the name of the podcast comes from because he's like, it's not like you. And it's like, well, you really don't know everything about me, so <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> so who are you, Brian? Who am I? Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. I think there's a, I don't know who told that joke as well. Uh, guy went to a radio station, and uh, the first question to him, once you get into the DJ booth, uh, the DJ, DJ goes, so who are you? He's like, that's either a really profound question, or I'm in the wrong fucking studio. <laughs> <laughs> this is your whole podcast. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, honestly, I don't know, man. Honestly, I would be intrigued to, under, to ask how, or what, you think or who you think I am well my perception is yeah um okay let me see here my first impression I went to stand-up comedy Severn yep. Kitchen yes uh here in Malmo um first time I ever did a comedy there you are you're hosting it and I remember we, right. we we I talked a little bit night. between the breaks yeah. break it was one break and then I got on, I got on pretty much, I think I got on like second last. Yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah, because I'm, 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 a, I'm a natural born hype man. I'm a marketing guy. Like, yeah, I, just, I just, I came with an entourage. Of like, let me tell you something now. At this restaurant, Southern Kitchen, it could fit approximately 80 people on a, on a really yeah. good night. And I had been to a handful of comedy nights. 
that was the first night when I walked in when Wilder was performing that it was packed past 80. There were actually people standing <laughs> around in the back, standing up front by the yeah, door. like folding chairs. I mean, folding chairs everywhere. So I was like, damn, we're going to have a good show tonight. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I remember I've, I've been through every type of stage when it comes to like behavior of a comedian. Um, like I, I, I've been that guy who didn't want to interact with other comedians yeah. and I just stand in the back and just like kind of like getting super douchey focused I think it's super I think it's a douchey thing I think so too. I hate those comedians it's just they come in they just don't even they don't even nod they don't yeah. even say hi to the rest of them it's just stand in the corner with a beer in their hand I need my space man I need my space dude I can't can't vibe off your energies I get influenced but uh, in the beginning of my career I was really like I wanted to hang out with other comedians. I wanted right. to hear what everybody said. I was really inquisitive, and I remember you were you were really you were really accessible. Yeah, you were really um, accommodating, and you were like, "Oh, I've been doing this for like." I remember we spoke, and I just I just got the impression I was like, "This is a wholesome dude." Like yeah. this is, he seems very straightforward. Um, he seems like I feel like. Brian is not a guy I will feel like, hmm, I wonder what he meant with that. Like, I just, <laughs> like, I won't, like, no, because I know I could just tell you, like, bro, uh, what's going on, a lot, a lot, yeah. and I know you're going to be like, oh, this is what's going on. Let me you're tell you gonna... something right now. I can't stand people like that. Yeah. <laughs> when, when they say something, and then you're, for the next three weeks, you're like, was that a good thing, or was that a bad thing? <laughs> you know, because they'll compliment me, yeah, great set. You're like, wait. Like, your mouth. Was that, was that like... Great set, or yeah. uh, what? Because <laughs> your mouth said great set, but your yeah. eyes were like, something. fuck you. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, what's going on here? And let me just tell you something, and this, this is why I uh, asked you previously to tell the listeners where you were from, and etc. I was not born here. I was nine months old when I got to Sweden. Yep. Uh, but I grew up here, so I practically feel Swedish. I should say, I should, I'm, I'm a Westerner. You know what I mean? Like, if I meet a dude from Germany or a yeah. guy from Canada, we can, all, we can communicate. We can yeah. go to a bar. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. I'm just like, yeah. I'm a Westerner. Yeah. I just happen to be from this part of the world, Northern Europe. But, yeah. so, and I lived in Canada. And so I have a, a, I have a, a very, like, kind of, like, more objective. We both have a, a, a weird mix of perspective and views about yes. Swedes. That's true. And this is the thing. Swedes are afraid of conflict. They, yeah, they're cocky and afraid of conflict at the same time. I'm cocky. It's still, they're cocky and afraid of conflict at the same time. It's it's like that you know, you know that dude when you were in in junior high or just school, just school in general. Yeah. You walk by him, he's like dick, and you're like, what do you say? He's like, oh nothing. <laughs> and oh nothing, man. I'm like, what are you what are you doing, man? Like that's 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 Swedes. Like you have an oh, argument God. with him. And they're like, mm, you can just see them like they can't, they can't, ha- they don't have a comeback, and then just for the rest of the, their lives, they're just gonna be like passive aggressive to you. Like, <laughs> like what did you say? Oh, nothing. Like, you just say something about me. <laughs> and that's just like you know, and that goes back to what I said. Like, and because it's a small country, it's like yeah. a small village. You yeah. don't want to be on bad terms with anybody because you feel like if I fight with this guy, it can turn out that he's connected to this thing. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. It's a small. That's why I, th- I think we talked about like Swedish roast sucks ass. <laughs> yeah. Because they're too kind. Yeah. I would be offended 
if yeah. somebody was kind in my roast. Yeah. I will tell I will give I will huddle everybody up before the roast. They don't understand the, the definition of a roast. Exactly. Yeah. I will huddle up and I'll be like, "You tell me that my mom's a whore. <laughs> Say this and that about me. You're gonna kill my dog. What? what just make it funny. What? I like. I, there's no such thing as being offended. It's a. It's like a fight. I can't right. can't complain if I get knocked out. Right. And don't complain when I knock somebody out. Like, right. Come on. So you know, what I mean, and and the roasts there are so lame because yeah. they know like, oh shit, that guy works there. You know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna burn a bridge here. Exactly. So yeah. they go lame, they go slow, and it goes back to what I said before that Swedes, they don't want to display the, they love these racy jokes, these edgy, uh, like, uh, can I laugh now? That yeah. kind of like they love that, but they don't want to be the only guy laughing in their room. Right. That's yes. their nightmare. And that's that's the part that's really annoying. That's their nightmare. Yeah. That's their fucking nightmare. Yeah. Like, it, it's if they'd be the only... Like, you tell a pedophilia joke, and they're like, ah! And you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, oh my God, Everybody's my boss like, oh is... Oh my God, good. yeah, exactly. Oh my God, he's my, one. Like, what? My no. boss think I'm a pedophile? It's, right. It's so stupid, but that's really what it is. Like, yeah. and, and just for the record, I'm not bashing on Swedish. Uh, on Sweden, I consider myself Swedish. It's an observation. It's, yeah, it's, it's an observation about the culture or about yeah. the... Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's really odd. So that that's why, you know, I don't I don't tell jokes like that here, because I can't wait to like go back to the states or go to other countries and tell jokes because then you get a completely different reaction. Well, perfect example when we're toughest. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like the crowd every time we're in, every time we're in the UK. Yeah. They they speak English. Yeah. So they understand every time elsewhere they have to kind of like reset the looking at us like what is what is these guys talking? Yeah, oh. but also in England we I I definitely got a lot more racy there, because we're in London. Yeah, because yeah. you know they have guys like uh, Jimmy Carr and they have things like that. So they they crack a lot of you know racy jokes. So like in Sweden, like all right, if you guys listening haven't ever done a toughest race, if you're in the states. Think of uh, Tough Mudder or something like that. Yeah. It's an obstacle course race. But for our last obstacle, we have like this half pipe. It's like a five meter tall half pipe. As, and a, bar, to, as a bar on top of it. Right. And you have to run up and grab the bar and climb over it. And you're usually tired by this point because the course is eight kilometers. which is a little over four miles, five miles, something like that. And you're really tired. And so what Wally and I do typically is we poke fun of the people oh, yeah. while also encouraging them at the same time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. In Sweden or Oslo or something like that, we're a little more reserved. You know, we give encouragement. We also crack jokes when they fall or something like mm-hmm. that. But in London, you know, we'll call out black guys, stuff oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> we'll, you know, kind of the, the gloves come off. I mean, we're not rude, but it's no. definitely something you couldn't do here in Sweden. No, they Because they, w- they would stop and turn around just like... Did you say that to me? Did you say that to me? <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> but um, but don't you think? Don't you think? I think personally, it's changing. Because I grew up, I grew up seeing comedy. I remember Swedish stand-up comedy from like mid '80s, late '80s. Right. It went on TV, and on it was on TV here in the yeah 80s? on Sundays on SVT, like this the the public service so channel. Who were who were like the big ones then? Oh, it was like um, I remember Bob and Larson. Was really big if you if you know who she is. Yeah, um, she was like one of those. They had like a, I don't remember what it was called. It was like Sling de Brunnen, like throw yourself in the well or something. I've heard. Like that. I think I've heard of that one. I, yeah. I, we could actually YouTube yeah. it later on. I think, think I've heard I, of that one. Yeah. And it ran on like eight ladies, early nineties, mm. and it was more like it was more like one liners. Okay. 
I don't like Rodney Dangerfield, but even <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield would, would push the envelope a little right, bit. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. This was more yeah. like daddy jokes. Okay, yeah. And uh, But it was one guy who really stood out, and his name is Ali Hussein. And Ali Hussein is considered, he's regarded as, as a legend in Swedish comedy because right. he, he broke that barrier completely. Okay. And did straight up, right, he just went right against the grain and did like Richard Pryor type of comedy. Right. This guy was adopted from Iran. Right. In a very early age, I don't remember how yeah. early. So he, you know, he got to deal with racism. Right. His name was uh, Lars. 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 He had a Swedish name. I don't remember his last name because I always refer to him as Ali Hussein, and his birth name was Ali Hussein. Right. So he kind of, he kind of, he did kind of Malcolm X on that one, and just like went with Ali Hussein when he did stand-up comedy. Okay. But he, but also remember in the nineties, like we didn't have any representation, colored people on Swedish TV. Okay. And if we, ha- yeah. and if there, if we were on, we were always stereotyped. Okay. And here came a guy who looked like, you know, he was Persian, Middle Eastern, perfect Swedish, right. and understood the code, right. and just just, boof, and, just <laughs> and killed it. Right. And unfortunately, he died in a car accident in the late 90s. Wow. But he was so ahead of his time. Okay. And he inspired, If I'm, I hope not, I'm wrong here, but Magnus Bittner considered him right. as a... But it was like he didn't really have his star didn't didn't really have time to shine for that long. Okay. But he really he was really so you could say almost like he was like the Kennison of Sweden sort of yeah you know? because he came in hard and kind of went out too early yeah 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 so that's a good that's a good yeah. comparison yeah. but he, I think he also spent a year or something in the states. Okay. I think where okay. he gathered his courage to be like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna. This is funny. Right. This is funny. Right. Not this bullshit that we see in Sweden. And right. it was just like, I'm gonna do it. Right. And he came back and he fucking killed it, man. He, yeah. he got re- re- people real. You want this is what if you're listening, you want people when when it comes to comedy, it's just like Brian said, you gotta win them back. You gotta lose them. It's a game. It's right. like it's like a good script. Right. You gotta have a climax. You gotta have an art. Yeah, you, you gotta know? have a story arc sort yeah. of somewhere in there, right? You can't just. You can't just. I mean, don't get me wrong. You could do one-liners constantly. Yeah, but that's I think hard. <laughs> that's, it's, it's hard. That's a hard life, man. It's a hard. You don't do one-liners really. No, I don't. I don't have a joke under like no five minutes. You said uh, you've you done stand-up comedy once in the states. Yes, once at the Where Laughing Skull in Atlanta, Georgia. How was that? That was fun. Yeah. Because the Laughing Skull, it's it's really different. In Atlanta, they have several clubs. A few have closed down now. But the Laughing Skull prides himself in being the smallest, biggest comedy club in Atlanta. Okay. It might even be in the world, but I'm not 100% sure. Because the room only fits, I think, on a perfectly packed night, 75, 80 people, oh, maybe, maybe 90. Like a guest list? It's a really, really tiny, tiny, uh, skinny room. Uh, that goes up a little bit. Okay. And that's it. It's 75 people, no more. You, there, it's not possible to fit anybody they more. Serve food, drinks? It's connected to a restaurant called okay. The Vortex. Okay. So The Vortex is a really cool restaurant. They do really good burgers, beers, things like that. Shout out to The Vortex. Yeah, I, honestly, I got to consider, <laughs> I, I actually, I'll tell you guys a story about that on a later podcast about how I feel like The Vortex is actually my home club now in, in, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, in Atlanta. So, yeah, so it's a really tiny room, and the stage is quite small, but they get every big name. Bill Burr's been there. Burt Kreischer's been there. Joe Rogan's been there. Oh, no way. And, the, and everybody says the same thing. They're like, I didn't know how I'd feel doing like a 90, you know, 80, 90-person room. Yeah. Because normally they do, you know, 1,200. Yeah, you know, exactly. Rogan's doing three, four, five thousand 5,000 seats. And he's like, I didn't, and he goes, dude, that, they all say the same things. Like, 
the vibe is so nice. It's yeah. so good. It's like everything clicks. The crowd's awesome. Everything's good. When it's, it comes it's to just, crowds, it's really not quantity. No, it's, no, no. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's quality. Yeah. It depends. Like, I'd rather do a small intimate set with 100 people. Yeah. And I feel connected to it them. It still feels weird to say intimate with 100 people. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but, but isn't it intimate when you come? Come on. Who's, who, who disses himself out more than us? Yeah. I'm not talking about people that fuck, you know, celebrities that fucked up and they have to cry at Oprah. Because they know, they know their agent and their manager's breathing down their neck. And right. they're like, listen, we're going to lose all our fucking endorsements. Right. Go there and say you're sorry. Don't use that word again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Don't drop the fucking N word again. Are you stupid? You're not a rapper. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Shia LaBeouf or something. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> talking but, about uh, a train wreck. Jeez. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it's it's... It's we voluntarily do it, and yeah. it's, we have to do it because we're making fun of so many other people. Yeah, that we have to show that kind of vulnerability and yeah. and maybe I should say humility. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, we're crazy, man. Canadians yeah. are fucking crazy. It doesn't feel. Cra- What's weird is it doesn't feel crazy when you're about. It feels crazy when no. you're about to do it. Yeah. When you're up there, it doesn't feel crazy. No. But then after you get off, you're like, that was crazy. That was crazy, and yeah. I want to do it again. Yeah. It's like the craziest roller coaster. Like I, I have guys telling me, l- l- women and men, the fights for a living. They, they can never do what you, what you and I do. I've heard that too. It sounds so strange to me. Like, now. dude, you can knock the fuck out. Yeah. People, every time you, you're you can opponent, get knocked out in front of forty thousand people live. It'll, there. Yeah, it'll be on YouTube for and then the pay per view. <laughs> and every time your opponent, every time your opponent has a highlight reel, you're gonna be on the you're receiving gonna... end. You're going to be on the receiving end of an elbow, That's knee. That's one of those things. I can't imagine being one of those dudes that gets wobbly knees because somebody just jacked me up. It's wow. But then again, I can't imagine, like, from their side, it's like, yeah, I can't imagine going on a stage and having 200 people go, you suck, <laughs> and then just have to walk off. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. That's why we're crazy because... Who, who else in their right state of mind would do that? Like, really, what, what we do in that sense. And for you for you who are listening, you might wonder, okay, what's the payoff? The payoff is, and I'll tell you straight up right now, big, being a big fan of drugs, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the best high. Way to couch that. <laughs> it's the best high. The best fucking high. I won't, when, I won't when lie, you, man. When you do a great set and you just, well, I just want to get back in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you do a great set, you improv a little bit, you add a new tag uh, or something to a joke you hadn't thought every of. Every joke lands. And everything's perfect. Oh. And the crowd's into it. it yeah. Because that's when you hit that time warp where yeah. you're like, oh, shit, 30, 30 minutes is gone already. Oh, damn. I got to go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and you feel like, I want to do damn. more. I have more in me. Yeah. Take, like I said, take the best drug and the best sex, combine it. That's pretty much like I, I this, and that's the reason why we get back to it. That's yeah. why we want to do it, even though we fail or we bomb. Yeah. We're like, I know that time is gonna come. It's gonna be so sweet, <laughs> chasing that fucking dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting there with your family, and they're about to start the show, and then the first guy goes up, and he's not good. <laughs> he's, he's, he's he's not good, and you get like four or five of those. Tell in me, the tell row. me. Well, I'm trying to picture this I comedian. E- no, I don't even remember. Okay. Any, I don't Not really remember. Not good as like rookie. They're bad. just yeah, rookie. Just don't know. They don't really understand. It's like somebody told them they were funny at the office. You should do stand up. <laughs> so they go to do stand up. It's like that's my favorite type of comedian. Yeah. So they're like, 
And so he put the copier in upside down. And people are just like, what in the hell? Yeah, how's the crowd in the States when they don't like you? How was that crowd? They, they give you a little pity. Hmm, you know, <laughs> in a, in a, oh, okay, good try. You know, they're not really mean. So, at least not here. Southern hospitality. Like in New York, they'd probably be like, get, get off the stage, man. Get the you fuck, fuck, get the fuck off the stage. You suck. <laughs> so, like, the first five acts are just brutal. And so I remember at that point, one of my cousins, you know, she she's a couple of drinks in. She leans over and she's like, hey, you better not be like that. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I was like, really? She's like, you bet, you better not be like that. <laughs> you know, so then like two or three, pretty decent. You know, you could tell they'd done it a couple of times or something like that. So they were okay. And like I said, the host, he was spot on. Whenever there was a horrible act, he'd come on, he'd riff, he'd get the crowd right back into it get them up to that level, bring on the next act, they'd blow it up, he'd build that shit back up. <laughs> so then, you know, it's they're down to like 10, they're on number like 10. For, for those at home, Wally's choking to death right now <laughs> on an iced tea and a chocolate ball. <laughs> I got a coconut flake in my throat. Good time for me, get some liquid. So, at like spot 10, because they're not going to allow us to use the green room at this comedy club. How come? You know, because that's for the at comedy oh, okay, acts, okay, you know. Because okay. it says on there, the hey, important, the important community. Right. It's like, this is this is the open mic night. Brian wasn't important. Your, your guys aren't, you guys aren't allowed to use the green room. Okay. So at act like 10, I go over to the side of the stage, and I'm kind of waiting in the hallway. Act 11, I'm still waiting. So finally, I kind of get up on stage, and he introduces me. And I go out there, and it's just like, like every other venue. You know, it's like, I'm like, don't even look at my family. Just, just, just do your junk. Yeah. And I go out there, do my five minutes, have it timed exactly to five minutes. And it's perfect. I get off stage, go sit down with my family after show. They're like, oh my God, you were really funny. I didn't know you were funny. No way. It's like, I've been doing this shit for six <laughs> years. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be funny? They're like, I, I didn't think you could really do it. I, I was, I had my fingers crossed. I'm like, they're like, is that all the, the only joke you have? Like, no, I, I can do 30, 45 minutes easy. You know, they're like, oh, my God. So finally they get it. They understand now that, but you know, I can do comedy. Have you always been a funny guy? No. Good no? God, no. What's, what, what, have like you always fucking, been witty, though? No. And so like what, what elementary school, I don't know. How, how was your personality when you were younger? In elementary school, I was fucking awkward, weird. Geek, freak, jock, what were you? Neither. Just, yeah. I was just, just Lonely? a guy. No, just a dude. I had friends and stuff. I was just, just a dude, okay. you know, very, nobody probably remembered me in elementary school. And then in middle school, because that was the thing, where I went to school, I didn't play sports with any of those kids in my school. I always played somewhere um, else. Okay. So like, I, like off the field, I was a jock yeah. out of school. I mean, I was a jock, but in school they had no idea because I wouldn't discuss stuff like that. You know, every Saturday I'd go play football and baseball and stuff like that. And so middle school, same thing. I went to a private middle school. I went to actually a Seventh-day Adventist middle school for a couple oh, no of years. Way. Yeah, <laughs> How was that? They were the, some of the nicest people I've ever been I can around. imagine. I can super, imagine. super nice, very yeah, understanding, very loving. <clears throat> and so, but they did, they also didn't know I played sports outside of school. Why, why would that make a difference? No, but it's like a lot of times if where you go to school, you also play oh, okay. sports because they're usually in the same neighborhood as you. Yeah. But since I was going to a private school, 
they lived in a oh, watchdog. Yeah, that's my dog, uh, Peanut. She's about to kill somebody. She has a strong uh, guard instinct. That's right. So every time she hears noise, anything outside of my door, she's like, wah, 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 wah. Thank you so much for protecting us. Thank you so much. <laughs> so continue, So, please. yeah, in middle school, nobody, they wouldn't classify me yet. Because in, in this religious school, you all did the exact same thing. Everybody was required to be in band. Okay. Everybody had to do You played this. the trombone, right? I did, yeah. yeah so I mean, everybody <laughs> had to be part of each thing. So okay. you were just the same as everyone else. And then in high school, that's when it sort of got weird. Okay. Because now in high school, you play... If you play sports, you play on the team with your, you know, same, with your other students. So I played baseball there. So I was immediately viewed as a jock because I was one of the best baseball players in the school. Your position? Pitcher and second base. Pitcher and second but base. But I also kept playing in the band. Okay. So it's like, wait a minute. This is a marching band, I assume, if you no, have symph- symphonic orchestra. Oh, no yeah. way. So yeah, I didn't do the marching band. So it's like, wait a minute. Okay, that's a nerd thing. <laughs> but he's he's the best baseball player in the school. Okay. That's a jock thing. <laughs> but he also gets pretty decent grades. So it's like, what the fuck are you, man? <laughs> he's, a, he's a hybrid. <laughs> exactly. And because of the way I look, if you've never seen me before, I'm mixed. Mm. So I have dark skin, I got kind of straight hair, and I have green eyes. And that throws a lot of people Very off. Very handsome ladies. <laughs> and men, for that matter. <laughs> so that throws a lot of people off. And, I, you know, this is the South... In the '90s, still fairly racist. I'm what not gonna lie. You were Indian or something, but dude. I've heard you heard everything. Yeah. So, yeah. so much ridiculous shit. I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, everything from Australian, <laughs> Australian to Middle Eastern to Indian, <laughs> and I mean both Indians, like Native <clears throat> American, which I partially am, to yeah. India Indian, to I mean, name a country. Every country in this in South America, every country <laughs> in Africa, and sometimes you're just going, "What have you have you had any uh, adversity because of your uh, mixed heritage?" Of course. What kind of racism I mean, have you dealt with? Like I said, back in the states, man. Beyond the systematic. No, just back in the states, dude. I mean, like I said, uh, I, I might be misremembering this, but I'm almost positive I'm not. Was uh. In college, my first college, I went to the small junior college in this really small, small podunk town and south is, of Atlanta. This is no, wait, year. north of Atlanta. North of Atlanta. And this is in 95, 94, 95, 95, 96. Wow. And uh, this, this is this the tiny, tiny, tiny little town called Barnesville, Georgia. Barnesville, Georgia. Yeah. So on the baseball team, the first year I was on this team, or no, was it the second? I think it might have been the second year. Yeah, second year. There were only like three dudes of color on this team. Okay. There's myself, our shortstop, Juan Carapresso. He's from Panama. And another guy named Petey. But for some reason, Petey was not on this trip. He was a black dude from LaGrange, I think. Okay. But for some reason, he wasn't there. Either. He was injured or sick or something, but he wasn't there. It was just Juan and myself. So we were on a away game, but it was close. Not okay. too far from where we were. So we were going to wake up. Go eat breakfast in town because we we're gonna get per diem, and then we were gonna go to the game, yeah. play our games, come back to the dorm. So we go to this little. There's in Barnesville at the time. There was like one breakfast spot. I okay. mean, there was McDonald's, 
but then there was like one restaurant. Just for the record, I'm looking at Barnesville, yeah. Georgia, right here, it's Wikipedia. Super it's a tiny city of six thousand. No, sorry, yeah, six six thousand seven hundred people. And that's that's most and that's of the now. people from the yeah that's now. And and you were in the nineties. Yeah, ninety four, ninety five. So we go into this restaurant, and I, I shit you not, this town is just full of old, crusty, racist white people. Wow. They actually, I'm not shitting you, they have a railroad track in the town, and all the black people lived on the other side of the track. And they, it was that term, like, be careful if you go to the other side of the track. Oh, no way. And that's where the liquor store was, and the pawn shops were, and all oh. that. The very, super stereotypical. So we go into this uh, restaurant. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. We walk in. All of us walk in. We sit down at this big table. Shit you not. Waitress comes over to the head coach and goes, I'm sorry, but those two boys, they, they probably shouldn't be eating in here. And she was talking about Juan and myself. No way. That shit you not. Shouldn't be eating here? <laughs> yeah. What does that even mean? Exactly what it means. This is for white people, man. And that's that's where I went to college. I mean, and stuff like that happened all the time, man. All the time. So we guys had to go? I think we got our per diem and had to go to McDonald's. Which was like right the, around the corner. How come Dude, the coach didn't stand up? Again, we were in the South, bro. <laughs> which may, which makes we, me we're, wonder we're how normal South, this bro. is. It oh, seemed like a normality back then at least. Back then, yeah. It was it was that that was wow, normal, man. It's really fucked up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it it was really messed up. So, <laughs> how do you how how what was your reaction then? Stuff like that. I mean, while it bothers me, it does. It's it is what it is. People are going to be who they are. Yeah. You know, I don't have time to stress about shit like that. And I hate man. to say this as, as a colored person in a white society, you get used to a lot of shit. And yeah. I know a lot of people. Yeah. Are, well, you shouldn't have to get used to. It. Well, mm-hmm. that, I'm sorry. You kind yeah. of pick your battles. Exactly. You know, That's the key phrase. I don't know pick how many times. I mean, I don't know how many times you know somebody had me in line, bought something, didn't have to show their ID. Yeah. And it's only I get there, and they're like, I have to see some ID with this credit card. I'm like, Ugh. exactly. It's like, <laughs> really? Dude, that's happened in the states to me a million times. Just, just, I check just this, stuff. Check this check. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, so we're gonna randomly check you. Really? <laughs> I didn't even know you guys had security guards here. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting... Ra- okay. All right. Wow. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> Tell us about your baseball career. People don't <laughs> baseball know. career. Well, you had a career, obviously. If you, if you were uh, playing baseball in high school, they must have yeah. believed in you, obviously, right? Well, no. I mean, everybody, almost everybody plays in high school. Not Well, not really. But anyway, I started, yeah, I started when I was nine. Um, played through Little League. Went to high school. In high school in South Florida, I was one of two freshmen. I don't know if ever, but pretty close to ever, because they have two separate teams when you get into high school. You usually have what's called JV and varsity. Okay. JV is junior varsity. That's usually reversed, reserved for freshmen and sophomores. Okay. You know, and then varsity is for the juniors and seniors. You know, the best players. The juniors and the seniors. Yeah, and or just strictly the best players, which are typically your juniors and seniors. Okay. They're older, they've been playing longer. 
No sophomores? You know, are they considered uh, ra- Rarely. I mean, if you're really, really good as a sophomore or freshman, you mm. can make the varsity squad. Okay. But it almost never happened. Okay, wow. That year, we had two players make the varsity squad as freshmen. That was myself and this guy named John Reedling. Okay. Yeah. So we both made the uh, varsity squad. We played there that year. John went to another school after that year. I moved to Georgia uh, and finished up um, college at another high school, Sandy Creek. Played varsity there, you know, pitcher and uh, second baseman. I was voted all-county pitcher of the year wow. for, for that, county? for Fayette County. And uh, I could have well, this was 93, 94, something like that, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I got some scholarship offers. And like I said, I, I wanted to go pro. So it's kind of a little-known fact that in college, if you play baseball and you have a scholarship and you go to a four-year university, I think you have to play at least three or if not four years if you have a scholarship. You can't just leave whenever you want. Okay. You so know, you have to finish up. Right. So those players will get drafted, yeah. but they can't go. So that what a team will do is they'll draft a player to keep his rights till the next oh, it's year. Like they got dibs on them. Right. So like, let's say you're a freshman, and you're really good. So a team will draft you, knowing you can't sign, but they'll draft you. Yeah. So then the next year, when you're a sophomore, they still know they can't sign you, unless you quit college. Okay. You know, they'll draft you again. Okay. And if you're still good as a junior, they'll draft you again. And then okay. finally after your junior year, I think they can sign you, and then you can leave college. But you're not allowed to leave. Like in uh, college basketball, you have to play only one year, and then you can go to the NBA. Okay. Whereas baseball, you have to do at least three, I think it is. MLB has an age limit? No, but that's just the college rule. If you have okay. a scholarship, if you go to a four-year university with a scholarship, you have to stay for at least okay. three years. Which makes so, you 21 when you're done? 20? Uh, 1920. 1920. Because I know no, NBA, 2021. Sorry. NBA 2021. has a limit of 20. Yeah, 2021. Which is what we're, that's why most baseball players, when they usually, now, unless they come from a foreign country, yeah. when they hit the big leagues, if they're American, they're usually in the neighborhood of 23, 24, 25. Yeah. Because they get out of college, then they have to play in the minors. By the time they get up, they're 24 years old. Is this some kind of a system to make sure they always have some kind of an education to fall back on? No, or? good what, God, what is no. This, what is this system? No, that's for? just from the NCAA. They, oh. they made that rule. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, most 90, I think 90% of baseball players in the major leagues don't have degrees. They don't? Okay. Yeah, whereas football players, a lot of them do have degrees because okay. linemen will play four years at their college before they go pro. Oh, okay. Like, almost no NBA players have degrees. No. You know, same thing with uh, basketball, or I'm sorry, baseball. Yeah. So uh, to get around that rule, a lot of guys go to junior colleges, which are two-year universities, because there, it's only two years. So you can leave after your first year, after your second year, or do whatever you want. So Barnesville, there was a coach there who was renowned for basically Barnesville University, or college, uh, Gordon College was like a churning mill for uh, MLB players. Okay. It's like if you want to go pro, you go to this coach, play one year, maybe two, you're definitely getting drafted. Okay. That's just how it worked. So when I got there, I think the year I got drafted, which was my first year at Gordon, I think out of the 15 or 20 players on our team, I think nine or 10 got drafted. Wow. And I think four signed. Wow. Ended up having careers in, in Major League Baseball and stuff like that. Okay. But at the time, I was only 18. Yeah. I knew I wasn't ready. Okay. You know, I hadn't even pitched much that year because I got injured a little bit. 
So when they made the offer, the Houston Astros called, and you know it was really surreal because you know I'm still in school at the time. Yeah, exactly. So it was like a Saturday. I go out with some buddies. We go to the store. We do some shopping. We come back. We go, you know, we're just kind of hanging out, kicking it, playing Nintendo or whatever. And so I get back to uh, my room, and this is a f- this school is so fucked up. Back when I went there, okay, we didn't have phones in our rooms. Okay, we had two pay phones on each hall. Okay, so you know we eat, when you got your initiation package at the college, you got a little whiteboard with a yeah. little marker that you would slap on your front door, oh, and okay. people could leave notes for you. Oh, okay. You know, in case you weren't there. So I remember we we were at the game room or something. We come back. And there's a little note at my door. Brian, your mom called. So I go to the payphone, fucking call back, and she's like, "Some dude called today." And I was like, "All right." Some dude. <laughs> she's like, "Yeah, apparently." Um, do you know who the Houston Astros are? I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Well, they drafted you. I don't know what that means." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> You know, she's like, whatever. So, like, a couple weeks later, the scout that drafted me, he told me, play it a game. Came to the house and offered me the contract and everything. He's like, I don't want you to sign this contract. I'm here to offer it to you because I have to. But I don't want you to sign it because, you know, you're 18. You're Mm. young. You're not ready yet. But you got what it takes. Mm. What we want you to do is play another year. If you're ready then, we'll take you then. So, I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll take your word for it. So, I didn't sign the contract. And they kept my rights for a year. And then the next year, I got hurt a little bit. But then I switched universities, so I didn't get drafted again that next year. So okay. I switched universities, went to another university, Georgia College, which is also a really great college mm-hmm. for going pro. Played there, did all right, you know, got a little banged up there as well. And then uh, that's when life kind of intervened. I and met my how, first. I met my how first old wife. Is Brian Jordan now. Twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty one. So in the off-season after my first year at Georgia College and State University in another small town called Milledgeville, Georgia, uh, during the off-season, met my, at that point, didn't know it was going to be my wife, okay. who became pregnant with my, I didn't know at the time, my daughter. Right. <laughs> so life sort of stepped in there. So I left school to uh, be a responsible dad as much as you can be. At Believe the- it or not, ladies and gentlemen, they are still responsible you fucking ask her when I was 22, <laughs> she's going to be like, no, he wasn't responsible. He's <laughs> fucking 22. He was never home. No, no. I can imagine. You know, so I got a full-time job and stuff like that. And then yeah, like a year later, I was like, shit, I got I to gotta get back. The only way to do this is playing ball. So I trained for like six or eight months, got, uh, got ready to pitch again, went to a camp. And they didn't draft me there, but they sent me to another place. Had there. Astros dropped you by this? this yeah, time? they they the my rights had run out. It's only good for a year. And it was, it was the, they dropped you because you banged up your my shoulder, my shoulder. Yeah. Okay, so immediately. They well, they did, yeah, they just they don't draft you again. That happens uh, a lot. Okay. So uh, I got ready, went down to South Florida, um, went to like I think it was Bucky Dent's school or something like that. Where is this? This is in. Uh, I think it's called Boynton Beach, which is near Deerfield, not too far from Port Lauderdale, Fort South, South Florida. South Florida, yeah. yeah. So I go there to do like a three-day camp, and like the first two days, I'm on fire. I'm I'm on fire. Yeah. So I actually call the Astros myself. I still have their contact information, even though the scout that 
was drafted me initially isn't there anymore. Yeah. He moved to coach or something like that. So I called him. I was like, hey, I'm down here in Boynton Beach. You guys drafted me before in like 94 or something like that. I've rehabbed my arm a little bit. I'm feeling good. I'm popping, you know, low 90s and I'm yeah. not even in shape right now. Can you guys send a scout down? Because like this will be free agent. Yeah. And, and they were like, they were like, well, you're in luck because we already have a scout in the area. No way. Uh, he's down there scouting somewhere else. But sure, yeah, we can we can get him to swing by that place. How the fuck do you get an access to these guys? Well, you had a direct card, right? I just called the no. You just call the scouting department. Any, oh. Anybody can call the scouting department. I mean, they're not going to send us ninety percent of the time. They're not going to send yeah. a scout. Okay. But it's just like I told her where I was, and she's like, "Well, yeah, they're always going to have a scout in South Florida, oh, yeah. always." So it's he's a like, bed, right? Yeah, yeah. So she's like, "Well, he's already down there, you know, scouting in a couple places. So sure, why not? You know, he can go twenty minutes out of his way and check you out." So I already pitched two days in a row. So when I was pitching then, I was doing great. But my arm was a little tired, so I'm popping 88, oh, 87, 88, 87, 88. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, and so after I got off, he's like, man, you're looking good. He's like, but you didn't hit 90. I was like, dude, I've been pitching for like three straight days. He's like, honestly, if you just if you hit 90 like twice, definitely I'll give you a contract. And I'm like, fuck. How far were you away? I was like 88, 89, one mile an hour. It was just my, my arm was exhausted. You didn't think about just resting one day before they came? Or no, because this is a camp. you gotta, oh, you yeah, got to do everything yeah. all day, every day, all back. day, every day. I would just hold back. Knowing if the Astros <laughs> scouting agent, I would just be like, they'd be like, throw a proper ball while you No, like, it actually fuck. turned out all right. So, yeah. like... So, yeah, he said if he only hit a couple yeah, of yeah, above he hit, 90. he hit 90. He's like, yeah, I could have given you a contract. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not going to be big money, but at least get you in the door. And I'm like, fuck. So... I was like, all right. So he gives me a tip. He's like, check this out. There's a because there's also another baseball league called the Independent League. Okay. And a lot of older ex players from the pros play there, okay. and a lot of young young players that didn't get a contract from MLB play there. They're really good. They're almost there. They just need a little more experience. Okay. So he's like, look, there's a tryout for the Independent League in like three weeks, and it's in Florida, but it was way closer to Georgia. He's like, go there. Get drafted there. You know, when you're playing in the independent league, there's going to be scouts all over the place so all the time. Yeah, no, all over the, all, at all independent league games. Every, every yeah, game. Yeah, every major league team right. is there because in case one of their players gets hurt, a lot of ex, like, oh, yeah. for instance, okay, my uncle worked with Amico Oil Company. Mm. At the same time he worked at Amico Oil Company, Jose Canseco's father Jose Canseco and Osvaldo Canseco's father worked at Amico, and my dad knew them, or my uncle knew them, Yeah, his dad. And so he actually put me, my uncle put me in touch with their dad. Their dad gave me Osvaldo Canseco, Ozzy Canseco, because at the time he stopped playing a player and he turned into an agent. Okay. So actually, Osvaldo Canseco was my agent. Oh, no way. So I called him up. He's asking me questions, you know, how I pitch and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, tell him. And I'm like, look, there's a tryout in a couple of weeks in uh, in Florida. He's like, yeah, I know it. He's like, I'm going up there. He's like, I'm like, great. Uh, he's like, y- you want me to represent you? I'm like, yes. He's like, all right, cool, good. I'll see you there. Mm. So I, r- I ride with a this guy at the time. I was working at Nike Town. Nike Town yeah. in Atlanta. Brian Brian has this weird loyalty to Nike <laughs> from what? I don't know. How long did from, you work? From then. I worked there for a year and a half. He worked there for a year and a half. And he's might have, he might as well just tattooed the Nike logo to his arm or something because 
It has no shoe that will ever, ever match. It's his first love, pretty much. It's the first love that went well. That's pretty much what it is. It's the first love that went well, and he's it's his high school sweetheart that he's. I can't say he's cheated on, but he, he dabbed around a little bit because we were we were sponsored by Vivo for a while, and as 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 grateful as Brian was for that, and as much as he loves. Uh, uh, the, the hospitality and the fact that Viva wanted to sponsor us, he was constantly thinking about his girlfriend, Nike. Exactly. Nike. Yeah, so... Bring back Salon. <laughs> so you're working at the Nike store, and this is... Is it Nike from Atlanta? No. Nike no, it's from, like, from, Oregon or Nike's something. from Oregon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working at Nike, and I meet this other guy. Was he Puerto Rican? No, Venezuelan. And uh, he, he, I find, you know, I worked at this mall. I worked in Nike Town, but it was in a mall. So word spreads fast there. So everybody knew I was a baseball player. All of a sudden, one day, this little short Venezuelan dude walks in. He's like, I understand you play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I play baseball too. You know? <laughs> He's like, you want to train together? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, whatever. So we started training. He's a second baseman. And I tell him, so after a while, after we're training, I was like, oh, you're not bad, dude. Mm-hmm. I was like, check this out. There's a tryout coming up in a couple weeks. I'm gonna, I'm driving down there anyway. You want to go try out with me? It's an open tryout. It doesn't cost anything. You just go there. It's a two-day tryout. You're probably going to have to, where everybody waits all day. You draw a number, and then you try out. It's like, yeah. So we get down there. You know, it takes like six or seven hours to drive down there, something like that. So we get down there. Um... And there was a meeting at like nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I, we don't take any of our gear with us. We think it's just like a meeting and then the trial will be a little bit later. Oh. So we get there. There's, oh God, there's like three, four hundred people here. Oh, shit. And I actually recognized three dudes from college. One I had played with at my first college. The no other way. two I played at my second college. No so I was like, oh, what's up? So um, they split everybody up into groups, position players and pitchers. Pitchers all go to one side, position players go to another side. Everybody, you know, you just get assigned a number. Like mine was like 70-something, I don't know, whatever. And it's like, all right, today we're taking players 1 through 50. As You, you get to try out today. Everybody else, come back tomorrow and try out. Okay. So, so I'm like, seven. I was like, shit, I'm tomorrow. I was like, ah. He drew like 22 or something like that. Good so thing he got, didn't bring you gear, right? Well, well, no, 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 no. So happen. after we heard about the meeting, we get yeah. there. The meeting's supposed to start at like 9.30. We get there at 9. Mm-hmm. Everybody's geared up. And I'm like, why are you guys all geared up? <laughs> They're like, dude, the tryout starts at like right after the meeting. So we're like, ah, fuck. Oh. So we run back to the hotel, which is across the street. We're getting dressed real quick. Run back across the street. So he's like, cool. I'm like, damn it. I got changed for nothing. So I go back across the street, changing my regular clothes. And I just start watching everybody try out. Mm-hmm. And then I meet Ozzy. Canseco, he comes, he shows up, which was weird because he's my agent, but he also came to try out, which felt really fucked up. What? <laughs> I'm like, Isn't that a little I'm bit like, of conflict of interest? I'm like, bro, you're fucking 38. <laughs> Come What's on. What's the lifespan of a pitcher? In- a pitcher? Uh, it depends. I mean, but like how, how, what age back in the day. you blow out your shoulders? Uh, back the in the day, pitchers threw well into their late 30s, sometimes even in their 40s. But is, now, what, what, nowadays, what is back in the days, uh, 60s, 70s, you yeah, know, 40s, they, 30s, do, 40s, yeah. When they can do Nolan Ryan and uh, Oral Hershiser were kind of like the, one of the last couple that were 
you know, pretty Greg Maddox, kind of deep into their 30s and, you know, into their early 40s to play. Mm-hmm. Now it's rare to hear about a pitcher going deep into his 30s, 35, something like that. Usually, usually by 33, 34, 35, you're kind of you're making the slowly exit out of the game. What's the most exhausting position? Like shortstop? Catcher. Catcher, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Batter, what about them? Everybody bats except the pitcher, unless you're in the National League. So everybody hits. Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. right. So, uh, so we're at this tryout. And my, my fucking agent's trying out, and I'm just like, this is weird. <laughs> and so the first day, I just kind of watch, and my boy doesn't do very well. I mean, he does okay. The Venezuelan dude. Yeah. yeah. And you can, I start watching the scouts, because every scout, every team is represented at this independent league draft, at the okay. tryout. So I don't know how many independent league teams there were, maybe 15. So they're all standing back there, and they're all standing back there with their arms crossed. They have clipboards. And you can tell instantly... When they're interested and not interested, obviously, yeah. Because they'll watch really intently for like a minute, and they can t- immediately tell, like, nope. So if they don't think you're any good, they just start talking to each other, yeah, or yeah. looking at a clipboard. They're, not, they're yeah. not paying attention. It's really fucking demoralizing. So like later in the day, they start doing the pitchers. So you know, pitchers are warming up in the bullpen on the side, and they come on the mound on the field. Yeah. And it's a weird scenario because they're throwing to just guys, all the same guys that are there. So these the pitchers are at a major advantage because the hitters have never seen the pitcher before. Oh, They're yeah, only going to yeah. see him for like you get maybe six or seven pitches, maybe ten if you're lucky. So you don't have that chemistry or dynamic. Yeah. So the batter, the batter's super at a disadvantage because yeah. every pitcher is completely different. Yeah, obviously. So none of the hitters are looking very good. Yeah. And my agent Ozzy Canseco draws number one, so he's like the first hitter up. Okay. What and now on the same side, the hitters are at a disadvantage, but they're also in a really dangerous position because they have no idea where these guys are from. Okay. You know, some of these guys are really good pitchers yeah. from college. Some of these dudes are just Joe's fucking off the street. They've never played baseball. There's no there's no check yeah. on the way in. <clears throat> it's like if Tom, your neighbor, is like, Oh, there's a tryout, fucking I'll go. Have you ever played baseball? Nah, but how hard can it be? No, you can, yeah, you can get these guys smash there. Smash down some Brewsters and go there. Yeah. So Ozzy gets in the box, you know, ready to bat. And there's just this guy on the mound. Nobody knows who he is. And I could see in the bullpen, he throws pretty hard. I mean, yeah. he's not throwing super hard, but he throws pretty hard. Curves him, too? Yeah. Yeah. First pitch, though. Hits Ozzy in the hand. No. Breaks his hand. No. <laughs> oh, shit. Breaks his hand. Let, let me just say for, for our non-North American <laughs> audience here, um, personally, I'm not really into fit baseball. I think it's fun to play, boring to watch. But, <laughs> but if you, and I know a lot of people here in Europe, I don't think they realize how fucking hard a baseball is. Yeah. It's a thin layer of leather and then just like a wooden ball. And what's inside the wooden ball? No, that's a cricket ball. So it's like a thin layer of leather. But inside it, there's a there's like a rubber cork, yeah, or like a rubber wrapped with cork that gives that a little it, bit of a bounce. Yeah, and then it's string wrapped around it like a million times. Oh, string! Really, yeah, really yeah, tightly. Yeah, yeah. But it's a really hard ball. I mean, if you get hit with it, you know. Oh I mean, no! Yeah, pe- you people, know. People, I'm not making this up. People are in wheelchairs. Yeah. Because there's a reason why they have helmets for those yeah. fucking for the batters. Like, so he broke first, his hand. first pitch, he throws Mother it really hard fuck inside. Me. Hits him on the hand and how often has, does that happen? Is that a freak uh, accident? 
it's it's rare, but it happens. Okay. It happens. With, it happens at least a couple times a year. Whoa. And you're holding a bat, too. Yeah, you're all so tense. Hit, hits him on the hand, breaks his oh. hand. So he's got to go to, like, the hospital. Uh, you know, and I'm like, man. dude, you're, you're, my, you're, I'm my, like, you're <laughs> my agent, man. You can't fuck it. What? I'm, I'm going to be throwing tomorrow. You need to, dude. <laughs> you need to be and he's like, don't worry about it, man. We'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. So he gets he gets shipped to the hospital. <laughs> so the rest of the day goes kind of uneventful. We go back to the hotel. Next morning, get up. Like I said, I'm number 70-something, and they're on number, like, 50-whatever, 50 55 or something okay. like that. When the day starts, well, I still have a little time, so I'm doing my warm-up ritual. I, they're around number 65, 68, or something like that. So I go over to the bullpen. Then when it's a couple before me, they start letting me warm up. So then, you know, they call my number. I go on the field. And you see, like I said, you see all 15 scouts standing back there. And they all have, well, like, one dude has a radar gun. Okay. Which is a thing to measure how hard you throw, how yeah, fast you can exactly. throw. So every time a pitcher throws, you know, the guy clicks it, and then all the other guys lean in, and he shows them who they are. Yeah. And then you can tell immediately they're either like, all right, and, you know, know, or they're just like, whatever. And they just start talking to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So I have no, I'm, my arm at this point is still injured, but I feel pretty good because I rehabbed it a little bit. Yeah. So I have no idea how hard I'm going to throw. Okay. So, you know, this tall dude gets up there. He gets really close to the plate. And again, if you're not a, if you don't know baseball, the plates, you have to throw the ball over the plate within a certain distance, usually it's between the knees and the lower chest of the batter okay. for it to can be considered a strike. And so... He stands really, really close to the plate. I'm thinking, shit, I might hit this dude in the hand, too. Oh, <laughs> you know, because I like to throw inside. Yeah. So this guy gets up. First pitch, throw. It's high, but it's pretty hard. So I see the scouts all look at the uh, radar gun, and they kind of... Mm-hmm. Well, and the guy holds it back up, and they keep looking. I'm like, all right, that must have been... a strike, by the way? No, it was a ball. It was a ball, yeah. yeah. So uh, my friend goes behind the scouts. Okay to check the gun. So I, I'm guessing, I don't know what the first one was, I'm guessing since they all kind of gave him, it was somewhere between 87, 88, or 89. Okay. Somewhere in that, it was okay. close enough to 90 for them to go, all right, let's see, let's see. Let's see more, yeah. So the next pitch, strike right on the outside corner, that one felt really good. I yeah. feel strong today. And so I'll look around again, and they kind of, I see a couple guys nod, and they I see them write some stuff on the paper. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that might have that might have been ninety. That felt take notes. That felt like ninety. That mm-hmm. felt pretty good. Yeah. So I, I'm like, but that felt good. I think I got a little bit more because normally you can tell how far you can throw your, you know, how hard yeah. you can throw without hurting yourself. So sometimes I know I'm gonna hurt myself, but I gotta throw as hard as I can. And other times I keep a little bit back. So I'm like, I threw that one at about like ninety percent. I'm like, I can I can give like five percent more and not hurt myself. Yeah. So the next pitch I throw, on purpose, I throw at the guy's face. Why? I'm setting him up for a, a curveball later. Uh, so I throw it really hard at his face. I'm not going to hit him. No. But it's, it's close enough to his face for him to duck out of the yeah. way. So I kind of let it go. Really good. So it's up and high and tight. The guy jumps out of the way. And the scouts at this point, you know, they're, they're, all of them are intrigued now. They're all mm-hmm. more huddled together now. Next pitch I throw, outside corner strike. So I got the guy thinking, inside, outside, inside, outside. So he thinks I'm going to come inside again with the fastball. 
at this point, I, I actually start smiling as I'm about to throw the ball. No way. Because I know what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he thinks I'm going to throw a fastball inside. So I throw a curveball. Completely goofed him up. I throw it right at his face, and it breaks right over the middle of the plate. No way. He kind of falls out of the box. The scouts actually start laughing. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, that was good. So the next pitch I throw, I've got it completely backwards. It's a fastball right down the middle. He doesn't even swing at it. Sit him down. They're like, all right, all right, 76 or whatever. You're done. You know, it's fine. Good job. So after all the pitchers go, <laughs> they're going to hold the draft right there. Oh, no way. Yeah, right there. So all the teams draw a number, and they have a draft order. Now, normally, what happens is the players that have played in the major leagues before get drafted first. Okay. And then the other players go. So the first player drafted is Ozzy Canseco. He didn't do anything. You kidding me? He didn't even take fielding practice. Just because he, he got hit in the hand because he has a name and he's played. He played in the major leagues. He played what for the Cardinals. It was just really weird. But he's a name. He's a draw. Like, you dude, know? you're repping me. <laughs> so they're like, uh, player number one drafted Oswaldo Canseco, and everybody's like, eh, but he wasn't there. <laughs> Second player drafted was my boy from my first college, Neil Hanna. Now uh-huh. he had played for the Dodgers before. And he, and he pitched very well. So they're like, Neil Hanna. I was like, oh, yeah, Neil, good job. Like, fourth player off the board was another uh, former player for Major League Baseball. He's like, fifth player off the board, Brian Jordan. I was like, what the? Uh, no what? And they're like, yeah, Brian Jordan. I was like, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I go over, and it was like, the, I think they were called the Sioux City Explorers or something like that. <laughs> Sioux City Explorers. Yeah, so let me, uh, let me Google this from, while you tell I me. I think that was them, and I think they're from Sioux City, South Dakota, or Sioux City, North Dakota, or something like that. Sioux City, Sioux Falls, Sioux, Sioux Falls, Sioux City. So I think they were. I think the team name was Sioux City, the Sioux City Explorers. I think Explorers. that was it. Sioux City Explorers. Let me see. Yeah, that's the team. Yeah. XS Baseball. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they drafted me. And then uh, they're like, yeah, so expect a call from the owner uh, or whatever and a contract in the mail in the next couple of weeks. So I go, oh, yeah, I drive back home. I'm super stoked to get home. And my girl is very upset because, you know, my daughter at this time, she's only like a few months old. Yeah. And my at the time, my Swedish wife, she's illegal. Oh. You know, she's so she's like an au pair. So she has to take our daughter with her to work while she take care of other people's kids. <laughs> you know, so a couple of weeks later I get the contract and it's not a ton of money. It's more than I'm making at Nike Town. But the trade-off is this. I got to go play in wherever it was, North Dakota? No. South no, no, Dakota? Dude, you're not even that lucky. Iowa. Iowa. Sioux City, Iowa? Yeah. Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah. Iowa, the yeah. whitest place on the planet. <laughs> the whitest That was somewhere way the up there. Way right. the and I'm looking there. right now at the census. Uh, oh, okay. It's like 183,000, which is not yeah, a big so city it's, in the it's States. It's Malmo, right? No, Malmo's way bigger. It's like half, half Malmo. Yeah, yeah. So it's, okay. So it's, but it's nothing compared to Fort Lauderdale no, 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 or, anywhere. or Atlanta. No. <laughs> so I get the contract and the guy calls Jesus me. Christ, like so I said, crazy. it's more money than I'm making at Nike Town, but they tell me, they're like, here, we can't afford to fly out, yeah. so what you can do is this: you get, you know, you get not like a signing bonus, but your signing bonus is whatever you want to use. You can use it as a plane ticket to get out here, or what most guys do is they just drive their car and use them their bonus as gas money. Okay. 
And I was like, okay. And he's like, yep, yeah, the season is nine months long. I'm like, uh. Nine months long. And it's, it's like. How many games do they play? I don't know. But it's like every What's week. What's the World Series? What do you mean? Baseball. I, I mean, they... baseball. Baseball. Baseball starts MLB in. season. How long is that? Baseball like starts months, in usually months? April and ends in October. That makes it six yeah. months. But then I spring have... training starts a month earlier than that. So it's about seven months. So this isn't abnormal. It's a little longer than normal, yeah, but by a month, okay, roughly. Yeah. And so I, I, I tell my girl that. I'm like, they want me to go to fucking Sioux City, Iowa. She's like, where is that? I'm like, it's a long, it's, it would take me like two days to drive there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a long way from Georgia. Yeah. I'm like, I can't come home until the season's over. There's no, there's no driving home for the weekend, you know. They're playing the American Association League. Yeah, I'm like, so when I'm gone, I'm gone for nine fucking months. That's, and then I'm home for three, mm. and then I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. And I'm like, but that's my shot, because if I'm there, and I'm really doing really well, any MLB team can be like, we want to buy his contract. Exactly. And they're going to be like, fuck yeah, go ahead. And then I'm making money. Be a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And so I just, I debate on it for like, I think it was two weeks. Okay. And I'm just like, I can't do it, man. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't leave her, because that's basically a divorce. Yeah, the, the relationship's over. I'm not gonna oh, see. I'm not gonna see my daughter. Time's gonna be ticking. Yeah, it's over. No, no, it's it's just over because I can't see my daughter. I won't see her for nine months out of the year. And so I'm agonizing over this. Is like this. And they perfect. couldn't come with you. You couldn't su- support them financially. If they Dude, came with you. I couldn't. I wouldn't even be able to get my own apartment. They're like, yeah, with the money they're paying. Like I said, which was more than I was making at Nike Town. I can't afford. Because then I got to pay for everything. I got to pay for my car, my car insurance, and rent, and stuff like that. Jeez. So I don't have enough money. So they're like, what What normally what the guys do is four or five guys, maybe five or six, all chip you. in and rent an apartment. Oh. Kind of sleep on sofas and yeah, beds. That's and not really an environment that way, you want to... <laughs> yeah, that way you have a little extra money left over to send yeah. home to your family. Because there's a lot of Latin guys there. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll get like 10 Latin guys in an apartment. Yeah. They all only chip in like 50 bucks a month on rent. And buy keep beans, keep, beans and rice. Yeah, yeah. no, no. That. Seriously, they buy nothing no, but beans Same and tortillas like the, and rice. The Polish dudes come yeah. here working. So any type of guest worker because so they're they, working. They keep like maybe three hundred bucks of their salary yeah. total. Everything else goes back yeah. to Mexico or Venezuela or wherever. And he's like, "That's what most guys do." And I'm thinking, "All right, I'm gonna have to do that because I got to send her money." Mm. So, and I'm just like. So I, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's not even, number one, it's not even a sexy location. Well, that didn't really bother me. It's just the distance. Well, I know. Like, and plus, you must have yeah. thought, like, it's just a matter of time before I get traded to some to a real. Uh, oh, I, 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 I'm MLB sure thing. that under, under actual real professional tutelage, yeah. I could have gotten up to where the scouts and the pros have been like, yeah, we want them. For how, how long? What time? It, I think it would have been a year at or less. Yeah. I think I could have gone over to the big And leagues. you could have not just like gone home between Christmas, stuff like that, just no, dude, save up that money and drive home? Dude, it would dude. take like two days to drive home. By the time I that get long, there... That far off. Yeah, yeah, but by the time I get there, I got to get back. <laughs> success. Yeah, so that was like the end of my career. I got drafted twice, but yeah. that was like the end of... Unfortunately, that was the end of my career. And so, yeah, that's that's the whole baseball story. And what, what happened after after you put... Your glove on the shelf. 
I just yeah went to a work a working guy, and then when I moved to Sweden, I actually played ball here, in the league here, and actually became coach here for oh. a few years. We won the uh, our division, I think three times, twice under myself as coach. It was the Pilots? Yeah, at this time we were called the Lund Giants. We had two teams. Lund we had Giants. Lund and Malmo. Yeah. So Lund was like the varsity, the better team, and Malmo was the sort of the B B team. Okay. And so as the Lund Giants, we won the league twice. And, nice. Yeah, oh, and as yeah. Malmo, we won it once. There you so, go, man. Yeah, so the last year I played, actually, I pitched in the last the last year I played. Yeah. I pitched in the very last game that won us the uh, the league. No way. Yeah. Look at that, it was, man. It was up in Tronos. Finally, finally got yeah. that, uh, so, that championship. Yeah, <laughs> so we won it there, so that was fun, man. So you went back to work in Nike Town? I went back to work at Nike Town for a few more months, yeah. and then I got another job that paid, like, Almost twice as much as I was making at Nike Town. As a boot man. What the hell is a boot man? All right, you know here, everybody in Europe and everybody in the states definitely knows. All right, in here in Sweden, if you illegally park, yeah, the cops can come and put a big old yellow thing on your tire. That lock thing. Yeah, that's in the states. That's called a boot. Oh. I was a boot man, I in downtown Atlanta. So I would drive around, parking lots would call me, and I would go. I can lock up a car, put a big ass orange boot no and a big ass sticker on the window going, You want your car back, bitch? You gotta pay me 90 bucks and give me a call. <laughs> $95. Yeah. How's that job? They hated me. Of course they did, man. <laughs> Why? If you fucking pull into a pay parking lot, don't pay, and the fucking sign clearly says, If you don't pay to park, you're gonna get a boot. I know. And I come there and I boot I your car and I'm saying, You didn't pay. They're like, I know. But man, come on. Well, you never know what their hustle is, man. It, it might be no, they work there, and they, they just want to get by. Because I don't know, it was like 150 bucks a month to get a parking. There you go. What does that make in, in a year? Yeah. Okay. A lot a, of money. 150 bucks a month. Yeah. Or one time to get caught is 95. One time to get caught, and it might only get caught like once oh, no, no, every no. six months. You know, I, I, know. I, I don't know. Yeah. How, well, that's that's 200 bucks. How many repeat offenders? Oh, Where plenty. <laughs> plenty. <laughs> how many times? Like, oh man, you again? Yeah. Like, <laughs> plenty. Did you get times. like a registry of all, all the like? No, I was didn't. It digitalized. No, or? this. Yeah, we had receipts and everything. Okay. So handwritten yeah. receipts. So yeah, I've locked. And they paid the cash. Yeah. Oh no, we had credit card machine. Okay. Yeah. Oh shit. That People always get pissed. Oh, I don't. I don't have uh, cash. I only got a credit card. Because like, they were thinking like, yeah, they're thinking like, oh, so you gotta take it off. I was like, oh, I got a machine, hook it up. <laughs> like, oh, I only have Discover. We take that too, bitch. Come on. <laughs> Actually, it's Mexican. Discover. I only have Diners Club. Oh, we take that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what made you take the step to move here? Mm. So at the time, my Swedish wife, we had been married. We got married in '98. 98, okay. Yeah, 98. And every year her sister would call. Mm. Oh, you guys got to move to Sweden. Oh, you got to move to Sweden. I'm not moving. I never even entertained it. Okay. You know, her relationship was too volatile. You know, it was, it was rough. We were super young. Like I said, I was 22 when we got married yeah. and stuff like that. So after about eight years of marriage, we had finally moved into a house. Uh, we had two cars. Everything was going very smooth. Our relationship got better. This is in... in in Georgia. In Georgia, yeah. Everything was going better. And so, at this time, we had our son in 2002. Yeah. So, he's only like a year old. Daughter's, you know, four, almost four. So, finally, one year she calls. I'm about to pay. I just paid off one of the cars. 
I have enough money from our tax return to pay off the other car. It's going to be more, less debt-free. Yeah, our mortgage is super reasonable. Yeah. No credit card debt, no nothing, debt-free, except the mortgage. So she calls. She's like, oh, you guys can move to Sweden. She makes this compelling pitch. Oh, we get this barn bedrog, and you get bostad bedrog, and you get blah, 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 and you get what's, five what, weeks of for vacation. Those are, for those who are foreign, what's barn bedrog? For those who don't know. The, if you have a kid in Sweden, you get the equivalent of almost like 200 bucks, not quite 200 bucks a month for like the kids' essentials. Yeah, it's like it's a supposed state to be allowance. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be for diapers and formula or whatever you need for clothes, stuff like that. And you get that until the kid is... I think uh, so they leave high fif- school. 15? Yeah. And then they turn into studio bedrock, which right. is study, study uh, loan funding, payment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they finish high school and then they. Then it cuts off. Yeah. Yeah. And you also, if you don't make a lot of money or if only one person works, you can get something called Bostas bedrock, which is like housing allowance. Yeah. Which is if you make below a certain amount and you meet their qualifications for it, if you have kids and this, that, and the other, you can get X amount to help out with your yeah. rent. So we've qualified for all that because when we moved here, I had a job, but she didn't. Oh. So. How come you had a job? You as an immigrant. It was like her her sister knew the guy that owned this pallet company. Oh, okay. And I, at the time, I was driving a forklift. They needed a forklift driver. So when I moved here, his son was going to school. Mm. So I just kind of stepped into his spot. So that was super, super lucky. Otherwise, we were screwed. Okay. So we moved this here. Was, this was in 2004. 2004. Yeah. So Same we, year I moved here. Really? No way. To I Malmo. To, yeah, to Malmo, nice. 2004. <laughs> yeah. so, well, yeah, what, what, May. What the end May, of, okay. very end of May. I came in late July. Mm. Very end of May. Okay. That was a hot really, summer. Really, really close. It was. It was a great summer. I remember. I think that might have been the best one. You must have been like, this, this is okay. And then like, pfft, yeah. the next summer. It's, it's like nothing. Yeah, mind it. <laughs> so, okay, 2004. Yep. The, tor- the turning torso wasn't really built. No. Yeah, and, the bridge had just gotten finished, sort of. Yeah. You know, it was, it was still really new. Said it was finding his identity. Yeah. Kind of yeah. So moved here and fucking just everything broke, fell apart because it's really because I'd never left. I'd never been out of the states before. Prior to this. Yeah. No I way. traveled extensively in not the even, states. Not even like to Canada or Mexico. No. Nope. Okay. So moved here. Didn't speak a lick of Swedish. Didn't know one Swedish word. Yeah. Like the first three months I was here, the only place I knew how to do, I knew how to bike to work. I knew how to bike home. That was it. I didn't, I didn't know where to, I was terrified of going to the grocery store because I couldn't say anything. I couldn't read Swedish. Nothing. Yeah. I knew what pasta was because I can see pasta. I knew what beans, you know, basic stuff. Yeah. But I didn't know anything. So I wouldn't leave the house. So I, it really messed me up. So eventually we got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> And we are back. Indeed, we are. A little break, uh, clean things out, get things restocked. Ready to rock and roll? I had to eat some watermelon. <laughs> Blood sugar was dropping from the joints I've been smoking here. <laughs> but, um, okay, you, you told me, asked you before if you've always been a funny guy, if you've always been witty. Nope, and nope, and nope. Nope, nope, nope. Right now, when I told my high school friends I did comedy, they were like, what? And still... Even you, in college, they don't believe me. They don't, huh? No, no. So my ex-girlfriend you, you, from college you, you is like, you do, you do comedy? She said that? It's <laughs> like... Because you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> you have no ideas. And this is a funny thing I, t- I found out. 
no idea how many funny people I've met, yeah. funny people I know of, yeah. even the greatest, the biggest, who people just, you're not funny. Yeah. Richard Pryor heard it, or, like, <laughs> he have heard it, Eddie Murphy has heard it, yeah. Kevin Hart, like all these guys, like, you're not funny. But that's the thing though, a lot like Kevin Hart was probably like the, the class cut up or something like that. I never was. No? I was terrified to speak in front of, like, in, like I said, I went to the seventh day of Venice school. Uh, they they sort of made us run, all for, made for us run. For those who are not familiar with it, please explain for, for people who are not familiar <laughs> with this branch of Christianity. Honestly, it's it's not it's not a super weird one. They're basically just like a Baptist. They believe in the regular stuff. You know, they believe... You Jesus? Know, yeah, Jesus, the, you know, normal things. There's only a couple little caveats. One, they don't eat meat. Really? Yeah, they can oh, eat... They can eat Fish and things like that, but oh, they don't. Yeah. They don't eat. They don't eat cow and, and pork and things like it's that. Yeah, in the Bible. yeah, they, eat, yeah eat. they don't eat. So they don't eat meat, and uh, they go to church on Saturday instead of Sunday. They think Saturday is the Sabbath instead of Sunday. So they follow the Old Testament, right? A bit on yeah, that. and that's re. I mean, there's a few other small differences, but that's that's those are pretty much the big two from like a Baptist. And it's like baby's bloods. No, no, they don't even do that. Come on, man. Okay, so that's the kind of environment. That's the kind of no, but no, but so they wanted everybody to run for like class president. I Mm -hmm. think this was when I was in eighth grade or something like that, and I was like, I don't want to do that. They're like, ah, just do it. It's good, you know. It's like I didn't know at the time they were trying to get you into like speech class, sort of. And so I was like, okay. I had known this is a super small school. There was only like. And out of set, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, maybe twenty students, no maybe no. twenty-five. Okay, I knew all of them, okay. every single one, very personal. Just boys, by the way. No, boys and girls. Okay, boys and girls. Yeah. Oh yeah, in that school, you weren't allowed to wear shorts. You had to wear pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no joke. So even in this is in Florida. This is fucking so, hot. This is in Florida. Bradenton, Florida. Hot so. So yeah, it could be ninety five outside. You got to wear jeans oh, or Jesus yeah Christ. pants. You couldn't wear shorts. They didn't want temptation. No, oh, of course not. So you couldn't Showing wear off shorts. Too much skin. Yeah, you couldn't wear shorts. Showing off you those couldn't, legs. You couldn't those wear tank legs. tops. Your shirt had to go down to close to your elbow, your sleeve. The elbow. Yeah. Okay. And I think the second year I was there, they allowed you to wear shorts, but your pants, your short pants, had to go at down to meet your kneecap. Did the girls have to wear? They had to wear the same kind of thing. They pants? had to go down to their kneecap if they wore okay. shorts. But did they have? They wore pants otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Jeans. But if they had everybody. Every, every, no, everybody wore jeans. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So, so like you I said, never I knew. Outspoken in that way. No. Okay. So I knew all of the kids, and I had to give this speech on why I wanted to be class president. Got up in front of all these kids I know, just locked up. Oh no. I couldn't speak. Nightmare. Just terrible. I I oh, never God. spoke in front of crowds. But then, I don't remember when it happened. It definitely was not high school, and it definitely was not college. But at some point, like, we were having, not every year, but when we could, all of our family would get together and have Christmas. Okay. And so at each Christmas, we would do a secret Santa. Okay. And on Christmas Day, after dinner, you would, uh, we would... Eat, that person would come up and sit in a chair, yeah. and then whoever your secret Santa was would come up and give you your gift. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, one of those, yeah. Yeah, and so at some point, I think I was early on, so they asked me to, like, sort of host it, quote-unquote. Okay. So I would pull the name out of the hat, 
call up whoever it was and then say, all right, whoever this is, you know, whoever's secret Santa this is, give him the gift. And I just remember one year I was in Maryland. We were at my cousin's house. And I kind of started cracking. I don't know why I started cracking jokes. So oh. I, I tried to make a joke for each person I called up. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember my grandmother. So I was like, all right, this next person coming to sit in the chair is brought to you by Centrum Silver and, you know, <laughs> you know dental cream. You know, and I called my grandmother. And she's like, boy, Centrum Silver, you know. And everybody had a good laugh, and I just kept doing that. So you were, like, almost roasting them. Yeah, so that was, like, the first... Yeah, that was, like, the first time I had ever... I don't know why. What age was this again? I don't even remember. Okay. I don't remember. My daughter was born, so I was probably 25, 26, okay. something like that. I had the first taste of it. Yeah. And, it's, I, and I can't, at that point, I didn't watch comedy. Okay. So I have no idea why he did that. It was just, it just, I thought it would be funny. Okay. And then, I, wait, no, we hadn't watched comedy yet. And then at that time, I remember. I think comedy, I just started getting Comedy Central on my TV, my cable package in Atlanta. Okay. And I remember, I think the first guy I ever saw was the amazing Jonathan. Amazing I saw his Comedy Central half hour, <laughs> I think it was the Lizard Lounge special or something like that, his half hour. And I was rolling loud. I was like, oh my God, this dude's hilarious. He still, he still performs in Vegas. No way. Yeah. In Vegas. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he still tours as well, but I, th- okay. I, I think he might have a standing show in Vegas. I could be wrong, but he definitely tours. So cool. So I, I was like, oh my God. So, so I just kept watching and I would watch all these guys, Mark Pitta and fucking Pablo Francisco and uh, Ellen DeGeneres and Paula Poundstone and Gilbert Godfrey and just you all these up. guys. And I'm like, holy shit, this is funny. Yeah. And then it hit me. I was like, do they do comedy? Can I go see it? Yeah. So... I, unbeknownst to me, I'd been driving, I lived less than two miles away from the world famous punchline in Atlanta. I lived on the same street. I drove by it at literally at least five times a day, every day. So you were living I two find, miles I, away. Yeah, two miles away. And finally one day I drove by there and I was like, punchline? I wonder if that's... A... No, I think I'd seen a comedian on Comedy Central at either the punchline near me or another one because there's a franchise. They're all oh. over the place. And so uh, I pulled in the parking lot. I go up and I go, is this, is this a comedy club? And they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and they're like, and I was like, who's performing? You know? And so they had a schedule. I was like, oh, shit. And it's, it's, I think at the time it was $12 to get in $12. with okay. a two-drink minimum. So you had to buy two drinks you on top of that. You had to buy two drinks, okay. yeah. No, but which is super cheap. Okay. And I'm talking this was for every show. They didn't have like a premium unless it was Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. Okay. Then it, uh, then it was a premium Jeff show. Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> no, because at the time he was, he, he, was he was the shit. Yeah, he, was he still balling. is though. But at the time, like, but they wouldn't charge too much more. It was like for his show it would be 18 yeah. or something like that. So I was like, oh shit, nice. So I think for our anniversary... We went to the punchline because, like, one of my favorite comedians I saw a comedy. I think his name was Mark Pitt. I don't think he, I don't know if he does Mark comedy anymore. Okay, he was gonna be there as a headliner, and I was like, "We're going." What's We're his going. name? Mark Pitta. Mark Pitta. Yeah, I th- I think that's his name. Okay. It's like it's been forever. So I saw his half hour special. Thought he was hilarious. He's coming to the punchline same day. He's doing a weekend the same time we had uh, our anniversary. I think he, we were gonna be there on a Friday. I get the tickets. We go there. Love the room. 
it was it was just straight up awesome. Yeah, I was hooked immediately. I was like, oh, I've come in here every all the time, all the time. And I remember, like the second time we went there, we're sitting like on the side, and the MC goes up, and it's this black dude, and he's just you know cracking, trying to do a little uh, improv with the crowd, and he looks over at me, and I'm there with my wife, who's Swedish, so she's white. And so he's he's immediately he's like, really man, you want a white girl? I was just like, oh shit, because this was right after OJ. He goes, oh, he shit. goes, hey man, did you see what happened to OJ, yo? <laughs> you learn a lesson there. So like the second time I'd ever gone to comedy, he, you know, made fun mm-hmm. of me. So I was hooked, man. And we saw literally any time. Basically, our weekends were if we had a babysitter, if we wanted to go out, there was no going to clubs anymore. It, we're going to the punchline. Who's yeah. there? I don't care. We're going to the punchline. Yeah. So we've so seen the entire spectrum of comedians. Every t- every person I could see, rookies I went night, there. experimental every, night, every every time, man. Yeah. And the proud one of the proudest moments was I saw Dave Chappelle there, before right before this was like maybe a week, maybe two weeks before he did a special uh, killing him softly uh, in his DC. First HBO. Yeah. Yeah. So that's he, a classic he, one, man. Yeah, he was oh, doing. He was. Do, we were like his last tune-up before he did. He did. He filmed the special. Okay. Yeah. So he did, he basically did. That must the, have been really good. Man. He basically did the entire hour. That fruit must have been right. And then he did another hour and a half. Oh, shit. Wow. And it was just fucking magical, dude. Wow. Just sitting there for two and a half hours. How many people in the but crowd? It was packed. So full house, I think it was 120 or 150 full house. So intimate. Yeah, perfect club. Every It was really nice. And he was on stage for two and a half hours, but nobody was tired. It was so fucking nice. And then afterwards, he sat at the bar. I got to meet him and shake his hand for a quick second. So it was the shit, dude. It was so much fun. Awesome. He's a legend, man. Legendary. So that that got me hooked. Wow. So then when I moved to Sweden. You can only imagine, man. You shook hands with fucking Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, dude. Dave fucking Chappelle. I would... Pablo Francisco got his autograph. You... This was right when he blew. This was as he blew Pablo up. Francisco got Dave Chappelle's autograph. No, no. I oh, got, you got another okay. show. Uh, yeah. Pablo Francisco came yeah. to. This was right when he was. Before he did a Comedy I, he, Central he special. He hadn't even done his Comedy Central special yet. Oh. This was before this. This He was just coming up. Because I remember when I saw him, they were like, tonight's special, Pablo Francisco. I was like, fuck, we just saw him like no three way. months ago. No he did the same set. We're yeah. like, yeah, that's the fucking guy <laughs> with the, the fucking voiceover, the, yeah, the yeah. movie guy. So, because that was my ex-wife's favorite comedian for years. She was, Pablo. she loved Tortilla Boy and all that stuff. Yeah. So. Um, and he loved cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> cocaine, so many careers it has ruined. But okay, so you, so you were really hooked so there. So I loved, I loved stand-up comedy. Never even remotely crossed my mind to do it. But I loved watching it. Okay. So then moved to Sweden. 2004, moved here. So what, what's seven years? So in 2010, 2009. Yeah. Like you say, you were saying, a friend of ours uh, owned a restaurant called Southern Kitchen. It was like an American spot here. And I used to do the quiz there. Oh, yeah. On Tuesday nights. yeah. yeah. Now, I typically didn't go into the restaurant on any other night, you know, because I either had my kids or had stuff to do, but I, would, I was there every Tuesday to do the quiz. And so, uh, I think one Saturday, I went to go see a movie in the same area at Entre, this mall yeah, right yeah. near the restaurant. And the bullshit mall number one in Malmo, by Yeah, the way. but I like the movie theater there. Yeah, because nobody's there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I think I went to see M. Night Shyamalan's movie uh, Devil or something. Okay. And I was like, oh, that was a good movie. I was like, shit, but it's like... Isn't that it's, what Bo, Bo, 
What's his name in Bokeem? Bokeem. The black dude with the bald no, no, no. black no, dude this, with, a, with the, a gap between his teeth. No, no. This one was with... Bokeem, uh, what's his name? I don't even remember who the main character was. It was basically about this, this is guy. This the people trapped in the elevator, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So after the movie, it's like 8 o'clock, something like that. Don't have anything to do. Don't really want to go home, but don't mm-hmm. know what to do because I don't want to... I don't know anybody, really. So I was like, oh, shit, Southern Kitchen's right here. My boy Bob's there. Let me just swing by there. I can at least have a beer or something mm-hmm. and then head home. So I go there, walk in. There's some dude on stage. And the place is full. And I'm like, what the... F-? And I see this little banner... Wisecrackers comedy. Wisecrackers, like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh shit, they that have feels like so far away, but ago. still, yeah, still so recent. So I go in, sit in the back, and I'm listening to these guys on stage, and I go to Bob, I'm like, this is fucking awful comedy, dude. Because like, I'm because nah, you had a proper yeah, reference. I'm used to seeing killers yeah obviously and i'm looking at these people up there and they're mumbling and stumbling and i'm like oh this is terrible (laughs) so i hang out there for a little while anyway next tuesday comes around i'm doing my quiz this canadian dude walks in i don't know who he is yeah he walks in he goes to the back he's talking to bob i'm doing my quiz i'm goofing around with the people because i've been doing it for like a year so i know most of the people and i'm just cracking jokes and just just generally being a dumbass so, I would have loved to have seen that, that Brian. Yeah. Pre comedy Brian, man. Yeah. I would have paid a lot to see it. Was it. Fun, man. Yeah. it was fun, man. I was just goofing around. And so we have like a break. It's like a 10 minute break where I play two songs or whatever so the people can go to the bathroom and stuff. So I go back to the bar to get a beer from Bob. And Joe goes, Hey, my name is Joe Egan. Blah, blah, blah. I run the you know, comedy show here on Saturday. I was like, Oh, hey, nice to meet you. He's like, Dude, you're really funny. And I was like, What? He's like, yeah, you, the way you're up there just interacting with the crowd, dude, you get, you got a, like a natural stage presence. I'm like, oh, geez, no, man. No, I don't. <laughs> it's like, I've been doing this for like a year. The first like eight shows, I was sketchy as balls, man. Yeah. He's like, no, no, just the way you're talking. You don't use a microphone, but everybody can hear you. He's like, and the way you goof, he's like, dude, you should do stand-up. I'm like, nope, nope. He's like, why no, not? What made you want to do the quiz? Bob, Bob. He's oh, like, hey, yeah. I, I'm trying favorite? to. Yeah, he's like, I'm trying to kind of redefine the restaurant because oh, yeah. he had bought it from another guy. Yeah. So he's like, I, I want to do a quiz. I want to kind of. It's kind of American to do a quiz. Will you do one? Mm. Like I've never done one before, but I used to go to them in the states. Okay. I can try to throw one together. Okay. So mine was more of a fun quiz. Yeah. You know, I didn't do. You know what the you know there's three or four places here. Mine was completely different. Yeah. It was a lot more fun, exciting. We play stupid, silly games. So he's just like, yeah, dude, you should stand up. I'm like, bro, I've seen stand up, real good stand up. Yeah. I can't do it. He's like, you should do it. And Bob goes, hey, man, if you do it, I'll do it. He's like, I've been watching these guys, and like you said, they suck. I kind of want to do it. He's <laughs> like, if you do it, I'll do it. Bob's going to do it. Yeah. And so I was like, well, how long? And Joe's like, I'll give you four minutes. Oh, yeah. I'm like, think i can write four minutes worth of jokes yeah and and bob's like yeah yeah dude dude if you do if you say you'll do it i'll do it okay you know this was like one of the last shows of the season yeah. you know before christmas break i think there was like one more and then it was going to start again the next next year or something like that so he's like if you guys say yes now i'll put you on like the february show or something like that next year so you have like months to prepare okay and i'm like four minutes fuck okay yeah. whatever it'll be the only time I do it so fuck it whatever oh it's just gonna be a one time thing yeah cause I'm just okay. like I don't think I can do it but yeah. whatever 
So like, I don't even think about it for like the first month. Then I start stressing a little bit. <laughs> so I start trying to write jokes. And I've never written a joke before and I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so I'm like, fuck. So I'm listening to like my old CDs. I've got like Robin Williams CDs and I'm listening to all this stuff. I'm like, I can't fucking do this, dude. <laughs> so eventually I come up with this goofy idea to write like a fictitious, fic, fictional story. Yeah. Fictitious story. So you ever heard of like... Uh, like they don't really have Craigslist here, but you know what Craigslist is. Yeah, right? obviously. You it's ever like heard? Block it. Yeah, you ever heard? Of, no, but in a certain section, in the regular the, newspaper, they have something called misconnections. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew about that, and I was like, that'd be funny if I kind of wrote a fake misconnection and made it funny. So I was like, all right, let's let's try that. So I wrote like two different ones. Yeah. And uh, so. Read them, read them. I'm like, this is this is really funny. I, you know, you gotta say that. So after, I don't, I don't remember. Actually, I don't remember them, but okay. I can give you the gist of them. <laughs> I don't remember word for word. Okay. So I time them out, and they're like about three minutes thirty seconds or so. Yeah. If I do both, so I'm like, all right, I can kind of go up and kind of intro it for like fifteen or twenty seconds. If I get off twenty seconds early, he's not gonna get mad. Okay. So I'm like, all right. So I wrote, I'll get up three minutes to it. So, right, like, the day before, or no, the day of, I show up, I sit there in the kitchen, all right, Bobby, ready? He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, do what? Of course he bailed. He's like, yeah, dude, I was just fucking with you. I want you to do it. I'm not getting up there. Besides, I got to work anyway. He's like, I got to be behind the bar. Nobody else is here because he was the only one that worked there. Okay. So I was like, motherfucker. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it, whatever. (laughs) So, like... Did you start sweating yet? I think my I think my ex wife was there. I had a few friends and stuff there, and I was really nervous, man. Yeah. So when they call me up on stage, I go up there, and I'm talking. It feels like my fucking heart's in my throat. <laughs> but every at the end, everybody told me they're like, "Holy crap, man! You looked super smooth up there. It looked like oh, you've yeah. been doing that all the time." I like, I was shaking. <laughs> I was. Sh- they're like, I couldn't tell. I was like, I was. <laughs> yeah. So I think the first one was. The first misconnection was, I think it was something called like My Espresso House Girl. So for you guys out there not in Sweden, Espresso House is basically their version of Starbucks. There's one on every fucking corner. It's almost identical to Starbucks. They own the marketing. Yeah. So I, I basically the misconnection is like I was in line at Espresso House. I'm paying for my... Co- no, I, I make some goofy ass joke about... <laughs> Like the way I order my coffee, uh, it was something in reference like half and half, you yeah, know, yeah. kind of like me. And then I give her a look, and okay. she like smiles. And then it was all she makes her drink order, and it's like a tea, and she wants a, a straw, a really long straw. And I give her a look, and she's like, because she likes really long, skinny things in her mouth, you know, some just goofy shit. But it went home. And then I don't even remember how I ended it, but I ended it on the punchline. Okay. And they're, they, they're cracking up laughing oh, at all the right spots. So then the second misconnection is about my, about a, a, like a rally girl, like <laughs> a girl that goes to rallies. Political. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I'm walking home and I hear this shouting and there I see you in like a flannel shirt, you know, <laughs> Doc Martin boots okay. and like, you know, some sort of, you know, butch haircut. Okay. I'm given the illusion that 
it's a rally. Yeah. But you don't know if it's like a gay rally or a KKK rally. Oh, okay. No, actually, I, I think I say, yeah, and I heard you shouting in your sexy voice, KKK. And I was like, how do you know my middle initial? You know, so some dumb shit like that, you know? And it's like, your eyes are so beautiful, especially with that fresh prison bruise or some shit like that. It was, it was, it was insane. And, and that landed well. Yeah, and they're fine just rolling on the floor laughing. And so I get off stage and I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe that dumb shit I just read worked. Art of storytelling. Yeah. And I had this little, I had a piece of paper, even though I'd remember, I'd read them so many times, I knew it. I just had the paper. Yeah. So I didn't have to look at the audience. So yeah. I could look at the paper. Some kind of an anchor. Yeah. And so they're all, and after I get off stage, you know, some of the comedians I've been doing for a while, they're like, oh, it was really funny. That was really good with the paper thing. Because, you know, that way you don't have to look at the crowd. I was like, oh. So I accidentally stumbled into funny. You know, so Joe is immediately like, dude, you got to come to my show in Lund yeah. next week, do the same thing. I'm like, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> go down there, we go to the student union in Lund. I've like, been there, yeah. yeah there's like a, 150 people in there, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. So I do the exact same four minutes word for word. They're dying laughing. Yeah. Imagine. So I go to like four or five different places. They're loving it. So... I get a little cocky, and I try to do some other jokes. And this is what, five, six gigs in? Yeah, five, six gigs in. And I'm like, oh, fuck it, it's that easy, you old son of a bitch, <laughs> you know? So I start trying to tell other jokes, and dude, for a fucking year, if oh, not shit. a little bit more, I sucked. For a year? For like a year. You didn't just go back to the first? Occasionally I did, but it's just like you I lost can't. your rhythm. No, I just too. can't keep doing that yeah, everywhere. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I gotta write something new. Yeah. So I'm, I tried to do stuff. That's the first time I figured out race race humor doesn't oh, work yeah. here. So like, I did this one joke uh, where it, I think it was the time of the Olympics or something. I was like, I love the Olympics, especially it's so funny because there's always like at the hundred meter dash final. Yeah. There's always like eight lanes. There's seven lanes of black dudes from the U.S. or you know Jamaica or fucking you know the U.K. Mm-hmm. And then there's that one white dude, and I mimic him just kind of looking around, going, "Really, really?" <laughs> and I think that's hilarious, and nobody's laughing. <laughs> they didn't get it. Yeah, nobody's laughing, and I'm just rolling this stuff off like in my head. This is really funny, yeah. and it's just not going anywhere. And I know, but the weird thing is, I don't quit. Mm. That's good. I just keep That's trying different stuff. Keep trying different stuff. It's a quality the younger generation should should <laughs> listen to, by the way. Should have, no, but I should have quit. I'm not trying to be a comedian. No, but you're what seven years deep. No, no. This this was my no. this was like my sec. This is yeah, within now, my first now, year. Now oh yeah, I'm seven years in now. Yeah, yeah. So what if you quit then? You you wouldn't. Yeah, be but the, the plan now? was to do the four minutes and be done with it. Okay. Or. Do the four minutes. Originally, it was to do the four minutes. Then it was like, okay, do the four minutes wherever Joe wants me to do for whatever the first five or six just times. And then just be like, yeah, whatever, done. Yeah. But you still but kept off. I, I got the bug. Yeah. I got the bug. I was yeah. like, there's something here. And so, like I said, that first year, I fucking sucked. And then it was a little after that first year because all the jokes I was writing were stuff I was writing. Okay. Just stuff I was making up. Yeah. And then something intrigued me on writing a joke about Swedish people and languages. Okay. Because I hated the way 
they they pretend like they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. When it's like, I know I'm not from here, but this word doesn't sound like any other word. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. You're just kind of being a dick. Yeah, like going, yeah. huh? Huh? You know? It's, it's like, it's broken. Trossig. Huh? You know what I'm saying. You know what? Don't be an asshole. You know what the fuck I'm saying, right? Yeah. So I was like, I need to write a joke about that. So I thought about it for a long time. So I took just like these couple of goofy examples and then I attached it to a common stereotype to French people via Sweden. Okay. So the first joke I ever really wrote from a partially true story was that Swedish people are really serious about learning Swedish. Because okay. like right after I got off the plane here, um, I had only been here, for, been in Sweden for like an hour. We yeah. traveled across the bridge. They took us around, lugging luggage up the staircase. I'd never been in this country before. Downstairs neighbor introduced himself. First two questions. First one is, what's your name? Second question, no bullshit, was, do you speak Swedish? <laughs> it's like, I literally got off a plane an hour. <laughs> am I, I mean, am I supposed to speak Swedish? And they're just like, well, you know, if you're going to come to another country, you should at least learn some of the language. I'm like, <laughs> and, just, and in my head, I'm going. It's not been, that encouraging. Yeah. Right? I'm like, it's been a fucking hour. I've mean, <laughs> never. Was, I'm like, what, some slack. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? And for like the first year, that's all I heard was, I gotta learn some Swedish. Gotta learn some Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm like, Swedish people are really serious about their languages. So, give you guys an example. So her brother, her, her sister, and her husband. This is real. They were doing an apartment swap with a couple in Spain. Okay. And it was only going to be for like 14 days. Not even 14 days. It might have been like 12 or something like that. Yeah. And they I embellished a little bit, but they did, you know, you know, buy DVDs and like CDs to learn Spanish. Okay. And it's like, dude, you, I wanted to say, dude, you're going there for 12 days. <laughs> I think if I can get by with English, because they can yeah. speak perfect English. It's like, yeah. I, I think it'll be all right. There's no need to drop this much money for 12 days. And so, but they did that. Yeah. And then, no shit as well. Like the next year, her aunt yeah. was retiring from her job. And as a present to herself, she was going to take a trip to, through Italy, like a guide, not a guided tour, but like one of those ones where you go to this city and the next day you go to yeah, this yeah. city. You know, it's like a package. A, pack, a packet tour, yeah. yeah. And so, I'm not shitting you. Like, she took, I think it was two months, two nights a week, for an hour and a half per night, classes for Italian. And how long was this trip? For, like, 14 days, two weeks. <laughs> and I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> are you serious? The money white people have. Yeah. Like, I, it's been I, I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I got two bits of the joke. Both of those things are funny. Yeah. How do I close it? So then I finally figured out the closer was, because I have this friend of mine named Philippe, he's French-Canadian, yeah. and he told me the story about how he grew up in Quebec, his mother tongue is French. Yeah. He speaks, he spoke French from, the, from day one. His brother moved to France, and he was helping his brother move one day. He flew over to France to help his brother move. Yeah. And so he's like, the day I got there, you know, we, it was in the evening, so... The next morning I get up, I go down to the local bakery, which is like right next door. I walk in, I'm going to get some breakfast for me and my brother. And I start ordering in French. He's like, I've been speaking French my whole life. Yeah. He's like, I start ordering like croissants and all this other stuff. 
the fucking guy cuts him off and starts speaking English to him. And, wow. he's, and he's just like, I do not understand your accent. <laughs> and he was really offended at this. And I was like, I got the end of my joke. <laughs> so I tell him about her sister. Yeah. I tell him about her aunt. And then I'm like, but the best part is, they're so serious about language here in Sweden. A friend of mine is not even going you know, to Paris, actually. He's not going to Paris. He only has, he has like a six-hour layover <laughs> okay. in Paris. But he spent his whole life being an asshole. <laughs> and that joke, boom, worked. Uh, I know it as one. This is baller. Man. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, shit. Okay. All right. I kind of found a tiny bit of my voice. Observational yeah. quality. It's like I need to take, for me, it was like I feel like I should take something from my life, something true, because it feels like the crowd didn't respond to just made-up shit. No. And it maybe was the way I was telling it. Maybe when I tell a true story, they, they, they can feel it. They can relate to it. So I was like, oh, shit, okay. So that was like my first real joke. So then I, it was a little bit of trial and error for another year. But I started having way more hits than misses. Okay. Way, way more. You started finding your true voice. Or yeah. And rhythm. then it just took over those next four or five years, finding my voice, finding my style, you know, different things like that. And now I'm still in that phase because now I feel like I'm transitioning from, I feel like I'm going more to like a Stan Hope Burr area. Because I'm, I have fairly strong opinions. I'm kind of an asshole. Okay. And, and most, <laughs> but I just don't say a lot of the stuff I think out loud. Okay, yeah. Because I know it kind of comes off as mean or aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people in here in Sweden don't like aggressive. Yeah. So I try to keep some of that stuff to myself. <laughs> But, you know, I have some strong opinions and stuff, and I, I feel myself transitioning that way. So that's why it's weird when Joe says, like, the name of the podcast, It's Not Like You. Yeah. When he says that, he's like, you're not mean. It's like, well, I'm not really being mean. I'm just saying an opinion. It sounds aggressive or it yeah. sounds mean, yeah. but not really. You know, it's like, I'm not a big fan of aggressive homeless people. You know, I don't like, I really don't like people touching me, much less really dirty homeless people. Yeah, you're not saying they're less worth. No, yeah, I, I'm just, I don't just like, yeah, I practice. don't like anybody touching me, really. I don't, any, it could be a well-dressed stranger, he grabs my arm, I'm not really happy yeah. with that. So it's like, I'm not being mean or aggressive, it's just, that's just my observation, that's how I feel. What's, what's so compelling with comedy that makes you want to, that makes us, I know why I love doing it. But what's the reason why you love doing it? Why do you love doing it? Me? Yeah. Like I said, it's a, it's a high that I love. Yeah. Um, something, to me, it's something very magical, uh, for lack of a better word, to have a room of complete strangers. You have com people from the entire spectrum. Yeah. Rich, poor, black, white, religious, non-religious, etc., etc., And you get them in the same tune. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, hey, you are one motherfucker on the stage and you somehow make them all laugh. It's, yeah. it's, it feels, it kind of feels like you're a conductor. Yeah. Conducting yeah, exactly. the symphony. But it's so easy to not conduct them to, yeah. you know, to lose them. <laughs> and, you know, that's, you know, we talked about it earlier <clears throat> in the beginning of the show that that's also the reason why I love doing it. Yeah. There's got to be a risk involved. Okay. You know, what I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not. I don't see the fun in it 
if I don't know in the back of my mind, I could bomb tonight. Really? Yeah, that's that's what makes it. That's what makes the payoff so good. It's like same thing when, when I'm riding my skateboard yeah. or my longboard, knowing that I take a, a fast curve, knowing that I could just flip off there and just break Jeez. my hip, is what makes it so fucking good when I do make it. And wow. it's the same thing. And the same thing I feel with comedy. Like, like, and to me, it's also like you mentioned it before. Like, you, you have to find your tone. You have to find right. your voice. In the beginning, I was very imitating. I, I imitated a lot, like Chris Rock. Yeah, because I love Chris Rock, and yeah. he's one. He's one of my favorites, and he was very like energetic on stage, lot, 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 and I had a lot of that in me, but it wasn't necessarily me. Or right. I should say, it was that was pre Wally. That was pre Weed Wally. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was pre Weed Wally, and uh, um, it was cocky and not, and in my opinion, not healthy way or whatever you want right. to call it. Yeah. But then, you know, start smoking weed, going through a couple of depressions, having some shitty relationships. Right. You find that bitter cunt in yourself. <laughs> that, <laughs> that really bitter. When I see happy, you know, I see when I see married couples, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like that dude, you know what I mean? Good luck. Like, whatever. We'll see before you start cheating on her. <laughs> she start banging her boss at work. You can sit there, sit there, pretend to be happy on your fucking vacation. But, uh, but it's just like, I'm, I'm that. Like, and I think it's good because it had to bring me down because when I started doing comedy, I had this weird... Um, I had this weird like good feel type of vibe still yeah. like I still feel like I wanted to do good no I don't give a fuck not that not that I, like I, I know I was going to sound weird and I know you can relate to this yeah. I too I care too much about the world to the point where I get depressed right. you know what I mean yeah. so I just got to a point where I just I have to laugh about it I can't cry right and I think comedy is a self defense mechanism to yeah. be honest yeah. it's the way I handle a crisis I can still see the fun in it right I can still be like well you know at least you know yeah. it's just it's weird but that's ultimately why I love doing it okay. I've I love being able to just a fucking just a room full of strangers. Yeah. And you still get them in the same tune. It's just yeah. it's yeah. weird, man. And I know you can relate to it. Honestly. Yeah, it is a weird thing cuz it's going to sound weird coming out of my mouth, but it's like there is this weird power oh, yeah. that you get. Oh yeah. Because like you said there's there's the, the one one of the things I love a lot is to be able to go into a room of a ton of people like you said, a ton of strangers. And then have them all shut the fuck up yeah. and hang on your every word yeah. and just have them wrapped on the edge of their seat. That it just, there's, oh, that's such a great feeling. Especially in today's generation where everybody's staring down their phones yeah. and stuff like that. It's... Yeah. But then comedy also is the biggest ego checker on the planet. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I thought I was on top of the world. Mm. And then I go and do a set and it's like, Bitch, sit down. Hi, <laughs> we're still running. Yeah, still running. So, all right. So, Mayweather, Conor McGregor. Brian has fueled gonna be up. A, it's gonna be a fucking debacle. <laughs> Brian has fueled up. I'm, I, I'm gonna have some puffs on my joints. Believe it or not, I thought, I thought. Now well, you know my little background in, in uh, martial arts and mixed martial arts. Um, Brian is not necessarily, uh, he's super interested, but I understand you don't have the same let's, depth, let's depth put it of this knowledge. Way. 
Uh, I didn't start watching MMA, UFC, until pretty much right before Ronda Rousey got beat by Holly Holm. I think that year, earlier that year, that was in like November a couple years ago, right? That was, uh, I think, two years ago? Yeah, two years years ago. ago. That was in some late, late in the year, a couple years ago. I think I started watching it earlier that year. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why. Oh, it's because of Rogan. Because of Rogan. Joe I heard, Rogan. You know, I heard a lot. Because I would always skip over any podcast that he would have with a fight fighter. Okay. I would always skip over him. And then I think I was super bored. I didn't have any audiobooks to listen to. I didn't have any other podcasts to listen to. And I think there was one podcast he did with uh, Donald Cerrone. Okay. Cowboy. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I guess I'll listen to it. Whatever. <laughs> and it was not what I expected. They really didn't talk a lot about fighting. They just talked about a lot of other shit. And I was like, but then I I, I was like, fucking, I like this dude, Cowboy. He's a, yeah. fucking, he's a real dude. You know, he was sitting there, I think he drank like a fucking 12-pack of beer while he did the podcast. Trump voted. <laughs> just, just some curiosa. <laughs> So I was, like, I was like, oh shit, I, I kind of, I developed like this weird relationship with him. It's like, I kind of, I just like his attitude. Yeah. He has this no nonsense, cool like, like, okay, fuck it. Mm. You know, hey, we're going to set you up to fight this guy. Fuck, uh, whatever. And so I was like, okay, cool. And I think he was fighting on a card late, like a couple of months after that. Yeah. The Ronda like, Rousey fight, by the way, where she got knocked the fuck out by Holly Holm yeah. was in November 2015. Mm-hmm. So I started watching earlier that year. Yeah. So he was on a card earlier that year, I think. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch his fight. Yeah. So I watched it, and I think he won. Yeah. And I watched a couple of other fights, and I saw a couple of guys. I was like, oh, this is is cool. All right, cool. And so I got a little more interested, a little more interested. And so by the end of that year, I was really into, you know, into watching it. I don't know shit about at the time. Still (laughs) don't really know shit about MMA. But I'm learning. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm learning about jiu-jitsu and I'm learning about the different style of the fighters and stuff. So now I know who a lot of the fighter main fighters are. I don't know who a lot of the lower fighters are. We're about to see one in 30 days. We're about to see one. I'm going to be completely honest. I, honest with you. I did not think in the whole fucking world that this fight was going to happen. Me either. When they talked about it. I Me thought either. this was just I thought it was so and, stupid. I thought it was, number one, who's going to go over to who's... Turf, so to speak. Oh, well, you knew it had to go this way. It there's, to, there's, there's no chance a 40, no chance. 40 year old man <laughs> was going to start doing MMA suddenly. I'm, I'm 40 years old. Wait, I can get kicked in the face? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, sure. sure. I, get, I, get, I get choked out, choked out unconsciously? Yeah, sure. That's the perfect way to, to end my legacy of being the most defensive boxer in the whole world. But, okay, Brian, were you a boxing fan when you were? Yeah, up? oh, yeah. Love boxing. Yeah. Tyson, I guess. I mean, now back in the day, I used to watch Sugar Ray. Oh, Sugar Ray, which you one? Know, Tommy the Hitman Hearns. Robinson. Sugar Ray Leonard. Leonard, yeah. Yeah, Tommy the Hitman Hearns. Tommy oh, the Hitman. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know his Re- story. Roberto man. Duran. I mean, yeah. yeah, we used to watch all that back in yeah. the day, man. I used to love watching boxing. And then, of course, Iron Mike came along. Punch out, man. Just yeah. the game. Yeah. They had a I fucking love game. that game. They had a fucking Mike game Tyson's with Mike punch Tyson. Out. Mike Tyson's punch out, man. The last, the last person, the last boss was Robin Givett. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Givett. <laughs> but okay, so so that's why I was so surprised when you, when I heard about it, that you think that McGregor's gonna win. 
No, I don't think he's going to win. Oh, you don't think he's going to win? Okay. Here's the thing. I misunderstood you. Here's the thing. I was hoping we are going to have no, opposing sides. Here, here's the thing. Yeah. All right, so for Mayweather in this fight, or for Connor in this fight, all right, what does he have to lose? Really nothing. He's going to make $100 million. Yeah. And he's going to have an 0-1-1 boxing record Winner if, he, if, he lo- if he loses. Yeah. He has really nothing on the line. No. If no. he gets beat, he can always just say, I got beat by the best boxer ever. Yeah. And let's, let's just be clear, by the way. This is not, this is not a, a match about the best fighter. This is the best boxer. Yeah. If it was the best fighter, it would be Mayweather stepping into to McGregor's world. Right, exactly. But this is the best boxer. boxer yeah. And let's keep it real. A boxer against a real MMA fight in a yeah. real fight yeah. is not even competitive. So yeah. Con- Connor has zero to yeah. lose. All, all, he has, he's, he's playing with house money. Because he still has his belt in the UFC. Yeah. Where he's he has the two best of them. fighter. He technically still has two of them. No, he, he gave I know, up. but still. Holly he, has yeah, he has, <laughs> he, he has two of them. Yeah, he, he never lost him yeah. at the weight. So... On the other side, which is why I'm flabbergasted why Mayweather would take this fight, is he has everything to lose. He's trademarked 49-0, and 0, which yeah. is what, tied for Rocky Marciano or something like that, right? I think I'm going to look Marciano up just he, He's tied for, yeah, I think, I think it's Marciano. Yeah. And he's also already trademarked 50-0. and 0. Yeah. But why would you put all that shit on the line... To fight a guy as unorthodox as Conor McGregor, tax money. Dude, the, the IRS. Dude, just just think of this. What happens? What happens? Forty nine, by the way. He's, yeah. he's tied with Marciano, yeah. unbeaten. So what happens if, by some just straight fucking Jose Aldo fluke, Conor tags him which, chin? Which, by the way, is not a problem. Yeah, no, no. It's it's, it's, it's actually quite likely. As quick as Connor is, and as unorthodox and kind of goofy as his stance is, he tags him, buckles him, yeah, and that, he beats him. That could be the end. Of Na- it. Now, forty-nine and zero is gone. Mm-hmm. Fifty and zero is gone. Mm-hmm. Connor's now one and zero, and you sure as fucking not get just one, not just one and zero. You just beat the best but, defensive <laughs> boxer of, of all, all time. time. Mr. 49 and no, who wanted to make it 50 and no. Yeah. But yeah, I'll tell you right now. So he <clears> has <throat> everything to lose. Everything. Everything except the $100 million payday. Yeah. Now, of course, he has this to gain. If he does lose, he can come back, beat Connor, and earn another $100 million, Or maybe even yeah, $200 Everybody loves a comeback. Or even $200 million. Everybody loves a comeback. You know, but he's still lost. Yeah. It's the same thing with what I say about McGregor. You know, he's still, even though he beat Nate, he's, Nate still choked that motherfucker out. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? He's, he's like, he I beat you. Yeah, he's like, I beat you. Uh, bitch, I choked you out. By the way, depending on who you ask, Nate I thought it was tied. I thought, I thought it, it, should, it should have been a draw. Yeah. Yeah. And let me just remind you, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, Brian, but it, like I said, I'm not a fan of Mayweather, me, nor, neither am I. nor as a fighter. Nor as a person, to be honest. No, yeah. And uh, and uh, I of course respect him as an athlete because he has work ethic, yeah. ethics, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, I'm just being pragmatic. The guy has been boxing since he was four. Yeah. His father was in his game. His uncle was in his game. Yeah. So that's why I think he has muscle. He has muscle memory. Right. Yeah. And that's but what I'm then saying. again, though, he has been off for two years. Two fucking years. But I, I don't think. How old is he? He's forty. Forty. And Connor's uh, what? Twenty nine. Twenty eight. 
so let me see here uh, before he's had some practice man I'm pretty sure he smacked some women up during that time. <laughs> 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 moving targets no, just, <laughs> while he's trying to run out of his apartment <laughs> catches them with a hook back to the back of the head no but uh, no um, uh, have you noticed they haven't they wrote a contract about that Connor couldn't talk about that oh he's that's fucked talk up Dude, Connor went into the racial stuff, but still not like, hey, you smack women, yeah, by the way. They, I, I would have broken the contract and been like, I would have said it. <laughs> and Connor is, so yeah, Mayweather is turning 41 in February. Connor is 29, yeah. born in 88. So yeah, Connor is in his physical prime. This is what, this is what talks for Connor. Yeah, this is what, what I will put uh, the ups for Connor. Uh, he's physical prime. Yeah. Um, He's, the fucking he's, confidence. He's longer. He's he's way taller. Yeah, no doubt about it. Longer limbs. He's more dynamic doing MMA than just necessarily linear boxing. Yeah. And the thing is, has has the only guy that I can remember Mayweather having trouble with was Shane, Sugar Shane. Yeah. Because at that time, even though he was he was kind of entering the back nine. Yeah. He was still pretty quick, and he's and he stung. Let me see. Mayweather. He had, he had Mayweather stung pretty good. How deep? Because Shane was, he's still pretty quick. Yeah. I think Connor is just as quick, if not a little quicker, than Sugar Shane was at that point. That's what I think, I think we said it too. So I think Connor has a shot. It's, it's a very small shot. He's got, he's got maybe a 5% shot. Yeah. But he's got a shot because if, if he can crack that chin just once, once, one just really good time respect. and buckle it. Yeah. And then get on him and not give him any more breathing room. That's what I think. There's I think, a chance. I think the, the, he has, the, like I said, four or five rounds. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Four or five. The first four or five rounds, just like you said, if he hits him like with a good barrage of combos and just one lands on his yeah. jaw. If he, gets, if he gets a right cross and then an uppercut. Yeah, catches him his attention. Yeah. I think he will establish respect. And then suddenly he's going to be like, fuck so I think that's probably how it's going to be. Four or five rounds of a little bit of confusion from Mayweather's fight. Yeah. Connor's going to throw sexy punches and trying to do all this <laughs> rocky stuff. And then Connor's going to slow down. Mayweather's going to find this boring rhythm. And like I said, drag it out to a boring decision. And I'm, I'm going to go off the reservation. I'm going to say... Uh, yeah, let me hear one. I'm going to hope for it. I'm going to bet it, too. Oh, I'm hoping Connor. I'm, I'm going to bet Connor. it, too. I'm going to bet Connor Kale. And you, and what yeah. round... I don't know. You don't know. No. I'm, 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 I'm gonna. Be, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna big. Put a big five crown, which is like seventy five cents. <laughs> what are the odds, man? <laughs> it's gotta be. I heard it's like four hundred. Yeah, it's gotta be something retarded. Oh, shit, man. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna put. You know, I'm gonna put like ten crowns or something like that, like a dollar. Like a dollar. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna put a, con a dollar on Connor to win via KO. What about you guys that are listening? Are you uh, agreeing with us? Are you disagreeing with us? For the next episode, please write us. Yeah, us let us know what you think. That. We're probably going to do something, uh, a follow-up show to this prior to the fight in August. If you disagree with us, write us, say us, uh, write us a line, tell us what you think. Write about your prediction, what you think about the, the, the weekend's card, if you're an MMA fan. Yeah, and throw some of those questions our way for our next episode, whether it will be with a guest or without. Yeah. And uh, we'll do our best to answer them. Yeah. And any questions at all? Any questions at all? Nothing's uh, nothing's uh, off the table here. And by the way, we're not going to have necessarily a set time for each week. 
because depending on the guests that we interview and such, yep. we're both two very, very busy men. Super busy. But we're going to try our best to entertain you. <laughs> we might even have a podcast coming from exotic locations. Oh, yeah. As we'll we travel. See. Yeah. We travel together. We're going to go to very exotic places like Oslo. Yeah. Our next stop for Toughest is Oslo. So we might be doing one on top of the Holman Colon uh, mountain or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. <laughs> I might do just five minutes on Monday yeah. by uh, Hangbar here in Melon. Uh, I'll be there as well. Yeah, you're going to be there too. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be on, I'm on the standby list for the stand-up, yeah, but uh, I'll be there to watch and cheer on Wally as he goes up. I'm actually, I'm, I don't know if I'm certain either. Yeah, so we may both go up. So Who knows? Both, both may go up. We both not. Yeah. But uh, if, you're, if you're from Malmo, if you're close by, drop. Come by, man. Yeah. Just, Pop uh, by Hang Bar and Mala. Watch we'll us there. live doing our shit, man. Anything else, Brian? This is your episode, man. This is it, baby. It's a great first episode. Yeah. I can't wait for more. And uh, can't wait to get this out on the airwaves. See the response and uh, see this little, little baby grow.